0: Mountain Cold Refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. B. F. F. T. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights. In for John Quintano, here's Judah Newby with the bald faced truth.
1: All right, here we go. Friday show,
0: BFT, Bald Face Truth, Bald Face Truth Radio
1: Network. Going to be with you, Juden will be here, three to six p.m. John Canzano himself again will check in with the program coming up in one hour. Top of the four o'clock hour, don't miss it. John will uh, join us live from Vegas. The Oregon Ducks in the Pac-12 tournament semifinals against UCLA. You know, my grandma went to UCLA. I forgot about that uh my late my late grandma newbie much love grandma newbie she's uh looking down maybe she's rooting for her bruins tonight i don't know i know i'm pulling for the ducks though uh 503 417 75 what do you think give me your pick ducks ucla let's go let's talk about it man i've been in the submarine you remember how mario cristobal used to come on the show and john would ask him he's coach how are you he's like john i'm in the submarine man i'm in the submarine you know, we're, we're pulling up our head every once in a while, but uh, that's how we do. That That's how I feel right now. I've got to, uh, you know, you know how uh, work is. You get projects every once in a while. You got to get knee deep in some projects. And that's been me the last day or so. And I'm loving it. I am loving uh, the, the projects that I got right now. I'm just digging in. But then I look up and it's, it's 258. <laughs> I got to get to the microphone, pop it on. I feel like I've been in the submarine. And I'm uh, coming out now. And I also look up, and I see the Chicago Bears traded the number one pick in the draft. Stephen Vaughn, you're spinning it behind the glass with me once again. The Bears traded the pick. Unbelievable.
2: Yeah. Uh, the, I think the more interesting thing is, is like, are the Panth- what are the Panthers going for? Are they going for Bryce Young? Like, is he really worthy of trading for the number one overall pick? Or is it Anthony Richardson? Like, are they yeah. going to go with the athlete that's been compared to Cam wow. Newton? You know the the Carolina Panther, great. Like, yes, I, I great think that's the, that's a fun, it's a fun question. I'm interested in the Carolina Panthers. Like, I thought they'd be solid last season, and they were terrible. Uh, I think they have a chance to win that division. That division's really bad, and they're taking a shot. They're being aggressive, yeah. which again, it may be too many picks, and a, you know, and a good DJ Moore player to trade up and get that number one overall pick. But I I will never blame hmm. front offices
1: for going for it. That's interesting. So yes, yeah, so here was the trade. In case you missed it. or you're just tuning in in the last half hour or so, Adam Schefter from ESPN reporting. And I do find it interesting. Comes at around, you know, 5.30 Eastern time on a Friday, which is typically when we would categorize it in the uh, quote-unquote news dump uh, part of of the news cycle. Uh, I'm not sure if this, you know, has been brewing for a while and they finally were able to get it done or what. Uh, By the way, Carolina GM Scott Fitterer, a former Seahawk executive. Under John Schneider. So here comes Fitterer. Here comes Frank Reich. Muscling up for something big and significant. Right out of the gate. And uh, the Bears are trading their number one overall pick. They're sending it to Carolina. So Carolina had the ninth pick. They're now picking at one. Chicago in return. Will get DJ Moore. Now if you don't know DJ Moore. 25 years old. Been in the league a couple of years. Baller. Great receiver. Six foot. But. For being six foot, he can win contested catches. He can can, uh, be an X receiver. You know, your typical X receiver immediately becomes the best receiver Chicago has (laughs) Uh, with, you know, Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool. But now DJ Moore. Awesome. Great weapon for Justin Fields. It's actually not a
2: bad receiving core.
1: It's the best part of this trade for Chicago is getting DJ Moore, in my opinion. I I think that highly of him. I think he's a great player. And again, just 25 years old and gives Justin Fields an established alpha right now. And Darnell Mooney becomes even better, right? When he gets a third, you know, 50% less of the target share. That, uh, that he would typically get. So that's that. Uh, DJ Moore goes. What else do they get? Well, of course, they're going to pick at nine, where Carolina was picking. They're also getting Carolina's second-round pick, so the 61st pick. They're also getting a first-round pick from Carolina next year. So a future first and a future second-round pick in 2025. So DJ Moore, the ninth overall pick, the 61st overall pick, Next year's first rounder from Carolina, which is huge, and a second rounder in 2025. So I like the haul for Chicago. I think it's a very, very good trade for them, especially since, you know, if they're weighing whether or not they want a quarterback to replace Justin Fields, well, now they've just answered that question. They don't. I agree with that. I think Justin Fields should be their guy. I think uh, he has shown enough flashes and is on a positive enough trajectory that you can do some things with Justin Fields, and even though uh, I was on the wrong side of some Chicago Bears wagers on DraftKings uh, last year, as Stephen, you probably remember that Thursday night game between Chicago and the Washington Commanders, and I was all over Chicago, and it was brutal, man. They had drop passes in the end zone, they had all sorts of uh, things, and they did not cover that game. So, yes. I I am uh, I am weary of of Chicago and yet I'm a fan of this trade for them. If you have the number 1 overall pick and you don't want to take a quarterback and there is no out and out top prospect player that you think you can just pick at 1, why would you trade down? Trade for something better. And the haul that they get back from Carolina, I have not seen what other people have said. I've not read any other commentary. Any other analysis? I'm coming here again, fresh out of the submarine. But I'm looking at it, and I say, bravo, Ryan Poles. This is something Ryan Pace, your predecessor, would not have been able to pull off. And I think he did a really good job. He is the uh, general manager of the Chicago Bulls entering, uh, <coughs> Bulls, Chicago Bears. Excuse me. Uh, uh, Jerry Reinstorf is on the line. Uh, Jerry Krause is on the line. They They want to have a word with me. No, uh, the Chicago Bears general manager, Ryan Poles, a former player himself, I think did an excellent job here. And uh, Chicago goes down to number nine. And to your point, Stephen, that now is leads into the question, what is Carolina looking for? If you make this trade to number one, you're taking a quarterback, without question. What quarterback are you taking? And do you already know? Do you already know? Or... Do you just need to get to the first overall pick? And in the next month, month and a half, when the draft rolls around at the end of April, by then you'll have an idea of which quarterback you want. But you know it's going to be a quarterback. Is it going to be Bryce Young? Is it going to be C.J. Stroud? Or is it going to be Anthony Richardson? I think uh, the Richardson thing makes a lot of sense because his athletics, you know, his his athletic profile, his measurables, his um, just everything about him, is so intoxicating. The only thing that you have questions about is is some of the mistakes that he's made on the field as well. He's he's not a perfect prospect by any means. And uh, is the mental side of the game going to be there for him? Comes across as a really bright kid, bright future, all the tools and all the athleticism. And the Cam Newton parallels, I think, are there too. And if you're Carolina, that's just a culture fit, man. I mean, you experienced so much success with Cam Newton, winning a league MVP, taking you back to the Super Bowl in the 2015 season, Super Bowl 50 in Santa Clara, magical season for Carolina. They had, they were a dynasty. They they really were. Well, maybe lowercase d dynasty, Uh, but they, they were one of the NFL's best franchises for about a four year stretch there where they were really difficult to play and uh, they they gave you know they gave teams fits. I remember Seattle played them twice in the playoffs in the 2014 season, divisional round Saturday night game in Seattle, rain falling, Cam Newton out of the tunnel, staring down the Seahawks as they were coming out onto the field, uh, being introduced in front of the 12th man, Cam Newton. He he is an imposing figure. He was an imposing figure at Auburn, and he of course in the NFL. And uh, it took him a couple years, but once he got his feet underneath him, it was like, this guy is impossible to stop. When's a league MVP? So if you're Carolina and you're at nine, you have a chance to go to one, and you do it, I think you got to take the quarterback that you think has the best chance to be a league MVP, to be the Cam Newton that you had at one point. It just makes too much sense. And right now, again, I've not read or seen what anybody else thinks, but... Now that I flesh it out in my head in this opening segment, I think it's Anthony Richardson. <laughs> 503-417-7575. I want your reaction, too, what you think of uh, Chicago trading this first overall pick. We already had a lot to talk about today, but you get you get a bombshell like this in the 20 minutes leading up to the show, you got to lead with it, in my opinion. And, again, we'll check in with John Kanzano live from Vegas coming up in about an hour's time uh, as he'll break down what he thinks is going to happen tonight. Oregon takes on UCLA. So, Stephen, 8 to 10 minutes in, I flesh it out. I think it's going to be Anthony Richardson. If you ask me right here, right now, what Carolina is going to do and what is behind their motivation to trade all that capital and DJ Moore back to Chicago in order to get the first overall pick, to me, that's a Richardson move. What do you think?
2: It is tough, man. It's tough because – Yo, know, it seems like just about, you know, a week and a half ago, Anthony Richardson was thought of to be, you know, round pick ten, maybe the middle of first round, and now he's really jumped up because of the combine. And I get it, like I've been on the Anthony Richardson bandwagon, you know, since the, the last year at Florida. You know, right. I, I picked Florida to beat Utah in game one because I was like, Anthony Richardson is the best player on the field and he was. And you see all the explosiveness and the talent that he has. I just feel like it's kind of a risky pick if you're gonna trade up to one to get Anthony Richardson, is it too risky of a pick? No, I I think he has the highest yeah. upside. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like he's got the most, you know, bust potential as well. So if you're gonna if you're gonna invest in it and you're gonna go Anthony Richardson, that's great. But you gotta feel really good about it. And maybe the Panthers do. I think this could be, you know, one of those picks where you do that where I think Bryce Young, you know, his ceiling may not be as high, him and CJ Stroud, but I don't think their four is as low as uh, Anthony Richardson as well, just because of the production that they've had. So I find it interesting. I think for me, I would go Anthony Richardson. I think he's a really mm. good player, and I think he'll figure it out. In the NFL, he's a smart kid. He came, you know, went in and he dominated all the interviews at the Combine. He is one of the most athletic players in the NFL. And I always feel like in the NFL, these coaches, as long as you have the right coaching staff, they will get these players to play well if they're a good athlete, and Anthony Richardson is one of the best athletes that's going to come into the NFL. So I, I think they're going to go that way. I think he fits what they want to do there in Carolina. I think it's going to work. Uh, as I like Anthony Richardson, it's just interesting how players can all of a sudden
1: become the top prospect available after the entire college football season. And, you know, if I would ask you in bowl season, even if I would have asked you, uh, you know, after January first. Who is the best quarterback prospect? I think, you know, there's a C.J. Stroud argument. There's a Bryce Young argument. Even Bryce Young was someone that you you could argue his stock uh, went back a little bit this year. It was even higher had he come out or been able to come out the year before. And instead, you know, he obviously plays this season. Alabama doesn't make the playoff. And obviously their expectations are always to get to the college football playoff, if not win the thing. And then C.J. Stroud, you know, he's up and down. He loses to Michigan twice in consecutive years. It doesn't look particularly good in either loss. Then he's got the semi ohio State still backs their way into the semifinal. They take on Georgia, who we end up crowning the best team in college football and one of the best, you know, two-year runs in history. C.J. Stroud almost beat that team and did a great job using his legs throughout that game to do it. He almost was a hero, uh, had that 50-yard field goal gone in, you know, we would have might be talking about something different. But that was an epic semifinal game. He does a ton for his confidence and a, a ton for his draft stock with that one game alone, which was a loss. It's just amazing to me. And then you have Anthony Richardson, a guy that Dan Mullen was convinced shouldn't be the starter over Emory freaking Jones. <laughs> Mind-boggling to me. Uh, Florida ends up playing Oregon State. You know, we're all hyped. We want to see Anthony Richardson against that Beaver defense. He opts out of the bowl game. We never get a chance to see him. And then from the time that he finishes at Florida, who ends up going, what, six and seven this year? You know, it's a six-win season for them, but that's nothing special. People are really breathing down Billy Napier's neck. Between that, time without even playing a game... Between that time and now, all of a sudden, we think Richardson is going to be the first player taken in the NFL do, draft. It's you, amazing.
2: Let me ask you this. Do you think there's this has any effect on who the Panthers will pick at number one, that they gave up next year's first-round pick? So, you know, think about it. If the Panthers aren't very good again, and, you know, it's just like the Denver Broncos thing, where now they, owe oh, the Seahawks, their first-round pick, and it's a top-five pick— do you think that impacts the way they think about this pick and maybe they go with a guy who is more polished than Bryce Young rather than an unfinished product in Anthony Richardson? I like that.
1: I think that's a that's a sound argument. Uh 503-417-7575. So for my first blush out of the gate is Anthony Richardson. As I give it as I give it a beat or two, there is a legitimate case and argument that they are drafting Bryce Young with this move. And I think that argument is rooted in the fact that Frank Reich working with a quarter, he's kind of a quarterback whisperer, as we know, right? I mean, and and you think of the type of quarterback that, the type of quarterback Frank was, you know, helping engineer the biggest playoff comeback in the history of the NFL uh, prior to uh, the Patriots coming back on Atlanta, but... What was it, the 92 playoffs, 93 wild card? I want to say that Frank Reich, a backup quarterback in Buffalo at the time, leads the Bills back from 30, 35 points down to Warren Moon and the Oilers, comes back, wins that game in place of the injured Rob Johnson, and Bills go on to win. And that's how we know Frank Reich, and he goes around for different sp- spots as a backup QB for the most part, but. He, Learns, understands the position, becomes a coordinator, a quarterback's coach, a a coordinator in Philadelphia, working with Carson Wentz first. And then Nick Foles walks in and he helps Nick Foles win a Super Bowl. Then he takes over the job in Indianapolis. And uh, he works uh, a little. I mean, I did even he never even got a chance to work with Andrew Luck. I mean, maybe he did for one season. I'm trying to remember exactly when Andrew Luck decided to retire uh, after Frank Reich took that job. But you know, they, then he works with a, a few different quarterbacks. He works with Jacoby Brissett. He works with Philip Rivers, and really that started the the string of veteran QBs with question marks that Frank Reich wanted to work with. Philip Rivers, who might have been his best of the veteran QBs, uh, of course Carson Wentz, and then of course Matt Ryan, and that uh, that hit the fan pretty quickly. So if I consider Frank Reich and what his skill set's going to be and what he wants out of the quarterback at number one overall, I'm tempted to think that he is more inclined to take a guy like Bryce Young than he would be inclined to take on a guy like Anthony Richardson, just because I think Anthony Richardson might be a little too much of a project than what Frank Reich is used to coaching and developing. Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, Phillip Rivers before that. Like, I'm not so sure that the Anthony Richardson model is congruent to what Frank Reich envisions and what Frank Reich sees. Whereas, in Bryce Young's case, his biggest asset is his refinement. So refined. Very, very skilled. The most skilled passer and thrower of the football in this draft. The only... Factor against him is his build, his height, and his build, right? I mean, he's barely getting over 200 pounds, and he's a little over 5'10". But I think Frank Reich looks at a guy like that and says, I still know how to coach around that part of his game, and, and we're really willing to ride with that. But let me, going from 9 to 1, man, that's a swing.
2: Let me throw a curveball at you right here now. You know I love the betting odds, and those have been adjusting and changing forever bryce young has been the favorite to be the number one overall pick for the longest time it has swapped big time cj stroud is now the big time number one overall pick favorite at minus 225 bryce young plus 175 anthony richard plus 550 so cj stroud is looked at to be the guy that the panthers will want according to the betting markets now i don't know what that means wow and we've been talking bryce young because he's been the assumed number one overall pick but is Frank Wright more of a C.J. Stroud guy, I guess? Like, that's that's what the betting markets would say. And how do you think he fits in with a Frank Wright offense? Because it seems like that's the way it's going to go right now. Obviously, it could change. I still would like Anthony Richardson. I think Anthony Richardson has the highest upside of them all. And I think he just fits perfectly over there in Carolina. But C.J. Stroud right now, the betting favorite, moves way ahead of Bryce Young. What do you think about that, Judah? And that's on DraftKings, too. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of shocked.
1: Like I said... Before I crack the mic, I've not seen anybody else's reporting or anal- analysis or anything. Is there reporting out there that Carolina prefers CJ Stroud?
2: I've seen one. Uh, so Benjamin Albright, he tweeted. Yeah, he's this,
1: a Denver guy. He's a
2: Denver guy. He tweeted back on December 31st. He said, "Just pencil CJ Stroud to Carolina via trade with Chicago right now." That was December, thir- <laughs> December 31st. He said that Carolina is gonna trade with Chicago and then they're going to draft C.J. That's Stroud. That's before
1: the season's even over.
2: Yeah, so I don't know what he knew, uh, but that's, that's the only thing. That's before we even knew Chicago had the number one pick. That's the only thing that I've seen that uh, would say C.J. Stroud wow. is the guy. Wow. Wow.
1: I'm going to need a commercial break, too, uh, to think about that This is that just Ron
2: real. This is Ron yeah. real Judah right now. In real
1: time. Again, 503-417-7575. You can also tweet at 750thegame, at Judah Newby. And, of course, this all comes on a big, big Friday where we have a lot to talk about, including the Oregon Ducks and the UCLA Bruins in the Pac-12 Tournament semifinal in Vegas. John Cazzano will check in with us live from Vegas later in the show. Do not miss that. And I know... He's working behind the scenes on some stuff. I know this. So I'm going to talk to John about that. He crushed it in his appearance from Vegas yesterday, and uh, he'll do it again later in the show today. So don't go anywhere. Want your thoughts on this. Chicago and Carolina uh, trading for the number one overall pick. The Panthers will have their pick of the litter. Chicago goes down to nine. I think they get uh, a wonderful, a wonderful get back from Scott Fitterer and the Panthers in this regard. Let me know what you think at 503-417-7575. Uh, touch on the Trailblazers in Philly tonight, and what's uh, coming Portland's way down the home stretch. They come, all eyes trying to make that play-in tournament. Yeah, that's where our expectations are this time of year. More of the Bald Face Truth. A newbie in for Kinzano John will join us later in the program, right here on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network.
0: Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Gonzano on 750 The Game.
1: John Quintano will join the show live from Vegas coming up at the 4 o'clock hour. to newbie in for John Quintano. Stephen Vaughn here as well. And you at 503-417-7575. It is a Friday, so we'll get to what's your peeve later in the show. Also, what's on tap this weekend uh, presented by the Independent Sports Bar and Grill. What's going to be uh, on your TV? I know one thing for me that I'm going to be checking out uh, on Sunday. Final round of the Players' Championship. It's an epic event, one of the non-majors, but that's the thing. I was talking to somebody in the office earlier today, and I, it's just, I watch so much NFL and college football, I kind of make a make a promise to myself and my wife that I'm going to try to keep the TV off on the weekends a little bit more now that football season's over. And then golf rolls around, <laughs> and you turn the TV on. It's just—it's so pleasing to the eye, and it's like, oh, it's a Saturday. It's not the final round, but it's a Saturday. It just feels good, and the you know baby's down for a nap. And look, here's Rory on the twelfth hole. I could I could spend a little bit of time watching Rory on the back nine, and then you know an hour and a half goes by, and you're like, ah man, I did nothing <laughs> during this time. Where I have some stuff to do. Golf does that to you from time to time. And that's that's watching it, let alone all you people out there that play it every day and I know I know you do. You're out there. Uh you play it a lot. Uh it's getting to that season though. Uh it's getting to golf season. Uh I have not played the last year or two uh since having the kid, but um uh, going to dust off them clubs, probably get some new clubs is actually what I need and then get out there and hack away. Uh, But that is going to be for a day and another time and one that doesn't include the weather that we have today, which is uh, not great, Bob. Not great. Uh, We were talking before the break, Chicago trading to Carolina, the number one overall pick. And uh, great deal for Chicago. Carolina, I mentioned it off the top. I thought that's a move to get Anthony Richardson. Then about 10 minutes into the segment, I thought, you know what? It makes a little bit more sense that they're going to get Bryce Young. And then Steven comes in and lets me know, oh, hey, uh, by the way, the odds for the number one overall pick now, who's going to be the number one overall pick on DraftKings, have swung mightily in favor of CJ
2: Stroud. And where are those odds now, Steven? So it it reopened at minus 175 on DraftKings. In the 10 minutes that uh, I didn't look, it went up to minus 225. So a lot of money came in on CJ Stroud.
1: And that's people just betting that on principle, right? So, like, because to me, if you're reopening that line and CJ Stroud is the favorite at minus 175, someone must know something somewhere, right? If you're going to reopen and do that. And therefore, even though that he's the favorite and you're going to have to lay some juice, almost out of principle, you have to bet that, right? I know you don't because you're going to wait and, and, you know, you're trying to be sharp here. But at the same time, like, that's, to that's too much of an indicator for for there not to be something behind it, no?
2: No, it, that's very true. And there's got to be some type of information. I frantically check out Twitter. I found one video of uh, Josh McCown, who was the Panthers' new QB coach. <laughs> he was scouting CJ <laughs> Stroud, and basically what he said in the, in the video was, he has a, what like a couple things that you can teach and we will t- and I will teach him that because he was working out with him but then he said this is also the stuff that you can't teach and he goes off about how good he is so it's one of those things where he loves him and i think that may have to play with it um i did see one other tweet it was by Matt Miller uh you know NFL draft yeah, guy great he, guy he said if I'm the Panthers i'm doing whatever it takes to go up and get a quarterback and that guy is CJ Stroud so that he a, tweeted that today that was 2 hours ago that was
1: two hours ago? So that was before the before trade. Before the trade? Before the trade. Oh, he knew, some, he knew, so he something, knew something was something. cooking. So,
2: so, yeah, so it seems like, oh, you know, like you would say, when there's smoke, there's fire. It seems like there's a little yeah. bit of fire. C.J. Stroud, number one, he should be the favorite to go can to we, the Cowboys. Uh, can we pull that Josh McCown sound? Like I got did. it right here. You want Oh, it? you do? Yeah, fire away. So this is Josh
1: McCown when C.J. Stroud was working out in Carolina. Uh, I assume, you know, is after.
2: It, so he's watching a video of... CJ Stroud at Ohio State versus Georgia in the college football playoff. Right, right. during this, game, hey, so, we
1: all watched that game, and he looked yeah. really good. That was so, one of his yeah. best games as a college player, maybe his best. It's
2: just him kind of scouting him up and uh, saying what he sees in CJ Stroud. <laughs>
1: hold
2: on here, yeah, buffering. Oh, love. Hold on, hold on, hold on, here. hold on.
1: Uh, Stall. Uh, uh, um, yeah. yeah, shocking to me. Shocking to me. But you know, th- this is where you gotta you read the tea leaves. You gotta parse a lot boy, we've been parsing a lot. We've been parsing fact and fiction a lot and a lot of different stories. And now we have got to do it again with the number one overall pick. All right, here we go. All right.
3: One thing with CJ breaks his hands. Okay. And so let's go, we're going to have to spend a little time in the spring, maybe cleaning that up. Okay. And, and talking about, Hey, let's keep two hands on the pocket. Uh, he, he, he uses it to move, but, but those, the, the pockets in the NFL, they, they, they condense a lot quicker. And again, Depending on where he goes in the draft, if he ends in the top, you know, five, top eight teams, you know, typically teams that maybe don't have it all together up front just yet, this is going to be your life for the next few years unless you land on a team with a veteran quarterback that you can sit behind if you're forced to play early. So you really want to start building these habits now. So that that's my one thing. But then and we can teach him that. We can coach him through that. We can do that. That's fine. But what we can't coach is this stuff, okay? And I, I love how he tucks it like a runner right here tucks it like a runner, then becomes a passer again. And then, again, this is the uncoachable stuff. You, you can't – this is just you're born with this. Either you can do this or you can't. And he flicks his wrist with a with a beautifully located throw, low and away.
2: Just gushing over him at the end of that
3: video there, just w-
2: loving on it. Wasn't there a similar
1: clip a few years back when um, Arizona had the number one overall pick? and then they hired cliff kingsbury and then the, there was a viral clip that started going around where kingsbury when he was still at texas tech was just like gushing over kyler murray and uh that is kind of what ended up you know going around and being what everybody was saying that um why kyler murray was was so good yeah here's the clip it was from i think it was from october of 2018 uh cliff kingsbury when he was at texas tech at the time talking about kyler murray and then he ends up becoming the head coach of
3: the cardinals <laughs> kyler is i mean he's a freak man purdy's a really good young player and he's going to be a tremendous player but kyler is a freak and i've followed him since he was a sophomore um, in high school and um, just think the world of him and, and what he can do on a football field and i've never seen one better in high school and he's starting to show it now at the college level and I don't have enough good things to say about him. He's phenomenal. I, I've never seen him have a, a poor outing, not one, which at quarterbacks it's impossible to do, but he's done it. And uh, I don't know, I'd take him with the first pick of the draft if I could. I know he's signed up to play baseball, but I, he is a dominant football player, and um, I, would, I would take him with the first pick.
1: I would take him with the first pick. That's before Kingsbury gets hired by the Cardinals, and then, of course, he gets him, and then, in fact, does take him with the first overall pick. Now, that's Cliff Kingsbury talking about Kyler Murray. A little bit different than Josh McCown, the quarterback's coach with Carolina, talking about CJ Stroud. But yeah, I'll I go with it. I'll draw the parallels because frankly I'm looking for other answers as to why the betting markets are so um so swinging so hard in C.J. Stroud's favor. Like, he is the out-and-out favorite to be the number one overall pick now, yeah. and he
2: wasn't an hour and a half ago. Yeah, big-time favorite. That's the thing. It's not even, like, a little favorite. Like, he's the big favorite, and it happened here in Portland as well. Mike Schmitz came in in the scouting department. There's videos of him loving Shaden Sharp, and he's right. pretty known about that, so it was kind of known, like, hey, if he Mike drops— Mike household
1: yeah. household name. Mike yeah. Sch-
2: what's he doing? Is he assistant GM? Something like that, assistant yeah. to the Assistant
1: to
4: regional? the GM.
2: GM, yeah, he's a regional regional manager. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I, I agree with you. Like it just seems like all the all the arrows are pointing at CJ Stroud, just based off all of these old videos and connections. But it still doesn't mean that he's the guy, right? There's yeah. still a lot of time before the draft. But right now, it's got. I mean, the betting market is not lying. Like CJ Stroud looks like he's going to be the guy. And I don't necessarily agree with it, Judah. Like I watch CJ Stroud, and I think he's a really good player. But I also think that Ohio State has the best weapons. In all of college football, like what is he really doing out there? Of course I'm not a quarterback scout, but like
1: uh, don't sell yourself short.
2: It's gotta be it's gotta be easy throwing to Marvin Harrison Jr. Like
1: yeah, how dude. hard is that? That guy's silky. Um what I will say is if it is CJ Stroud, what the one reason that doesn't make sense to me is how much they gave up for the number one overall pick. Cause you could have probably got unless you are totally convinced Houston wanted CJ Stroud which I was not reading and I was not hearing. I, it seemed to me that Houston either was going to bring in a guy like Garoppolo uh, in free agency or, you know, someone of that ilk. And of course they can still draft a QB at two, even if they do that, don't get me wrong. But to me in my head, at least it was Bryce young, Houston, Bryce young, Houston, Bryce young, maybe Chicago, but probably not Chicago. Like I thought Chicago was going to trade out, but Bryce young, Houston made a lot of sense to me. And that draft capital and D.J. Moore? Like, if I'm drafting C.J. Shroud, I want to have D.J. Moore around. I, and look, we talked about how good the New York Jets roster is, you know, for a non-playoff team. And why it makes a lot of sense for them to go get Rodgers and plug him into a, a roster and infrastructure that on paper is already pretty set outside the QB position. Looks really good. Carolina's got a... You got a, not that roster, but it's not far off in my opinion. It's for for a non playoff team. It's really good. Obviously, you know, similar to New York. You got a strong rookie cornerback, in JC Horn got hurt at the end of last year, but he's still a really really good player. You got um, Derek Brown, you know, inside the former Auburn player. We saw him play against Justin Herbert in Oregon in 2019. He's really come on strong D tackle. You got Brian Burns. Who is just lightning off the ball? One of the better edge rushers in the NFL that you might not otherwise think of. Um, you got you got a couple of guys. Shaq Thompson, one of their linebackers. You know, obviously we know him around here too. He's a really good player. Like they've got pieces there, and then their offensive line is actually pretty darn good. They took uh, Ike Okonwu from NC State, played really well at left tackle last year. Had some moments, but like he's going to be a dude. Uh, coming up here and they've got some other good players on the interior as well in a, in a strong running game. It's just fascinating to me that the Carolina Panthers, they trade Christian McCaffrey. They fire Matt Rule, you know, four or five weeks into the season. We all kind of give up on them. Steve Wilkes does an amazing job keeping them competitive, winning games. They go into Seattle and win. That was one of the games that was probably going to keep Seattle out of the playoffs. And thankfully, Detroit helped answer our prayers in Week 18 Sunday Night Football, but losing to Carolina with Sam Darnold in your own building to Steve wilkes I mean, you shouldn't go to the playoffs when you lose a game like that. Carolina did that. Great running attack with uh, Deontay Foreman. And uh, who else do they have run the ball? I can't, I can't remember. They had two guys. Uh, Chuba Hubbard was there. Chuba did a really nice job. Deontay Foreman did a really nice job. And uh, But to me, you know, DJ Moore was an integral part of that. You trade him away for CJ Stroud at number one and your first round pick next year? To me, I mean, there were already questions about CJ Stroud compared to Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson. I mean, even more so if you're trading away all that draft capital and one of your best established players for that guy. That's why the 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 the, the trade the stuff they're sending back to Chicago tells me that it would be more in a Bryce Young category than a C.J. Stroud category. And yet the the betting market is telling you something opposite that. I think it's fascinating. I do not think that there's a clear answer yet. I'll put it that way. I mean, obviously the betting market thinks otherwise, but I'd wait. I, I would wait a little bit while longer before... Before it all settles down. Because why get all the way up to one if you wanted C.J. Stroud? To me, it wasn't obvious that Houston was going to take him. Arizona's not going to take him at three. Like, couldn't there have been another trade partner? And then you put yourself in the position to take either, you know, Stroud or somebody else, you know, with that third overall pick. If you trade with an Arizona. Hell, if you trade with Seattle at five. Scott Fitterer knows John Schneider. He came from that, you know, that uh, front office. It's a it's. A rich price to pay if it's going to be C.J. Stroud, and yet, betting market says it's going to be. That's it's wild to me.
4: For
2: for the Bears, it seems like they're moving down, and to me, it seems like Jalen Carter, like they're hoping he falls to nine. Like I think that's best case scenario for the Bears. He's he's falling down in the draft, and he's a guy that could be a top five pick, but he also could fall because of the you know the legal troubles. And what a win that would be! Like a great player, you know, whatever it is off the field, but like on the field is going to help him out. I also want to know this, Judah, like something you can chew on here is does this have a trickle-down effect for the Seahawks? Because, you know, there's been rumors that the Seahawks were interested in a quarterback, but now it does seem that Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud would both be gone before five for sure. Like maybe, like you said, C.J. Stroud was thought maybe to go even number five with the Seahawks. Like those guys will probably both be gone now. Are the Seahawks now looking at something else or is a quarterback still on the table for them?
1: you know the the stuff that Seattle was interested in a quarterback you know Pete Carroll was talking about that openly John Schneider was talking about that openly but i've said it on the show you know all week like they're spokes to you know cuz there's two things at play either a they believe it and they really want a quarterback and maybe they do like you you only pick at five you know so often but part of your job this time of year is to get people interested in your stuff Right? You're showing them your stuff, and you want them to get interested. You want other quarterback needy teams to come get you at five. And, of course, you know, so it's no surprise to me Pete and John have been saying, yeah, we're really interested in the quarterback. It could, A, both be true, and B, increase you know their odds of, of getting something good to to trade out of that pick if they wanted to. So now if Carolina goes to one, you know a QB is coming off the board. I look at Houston, and I would assume the next quarterback is going at two but I don't know that for sure. New head coach, D'Amico Ryans, new offensive coordinator, uh, that they brought Slowick Bobby Slowick from San Francisco, who D'Amico coached with. So he's bringing that Shanahan type of system to Houston. The Jimmy Garoppolo free agency rumors are out there. doesn't mean you still can't take a quarterback at two, but you know, and, uh, but at the same time, do you go the route of the best defensive player at number two overall? You know, I don't know. I wouldn't put that past him. Do you trade down if you're Houston? I don't know. Now you have Arizona at three. Are you going to pick, take the best defensive player available at three if you're Arizona? Probably in all likelihood. Even though Kyler is out, you know, for uh, for this upcoming season, at least for the majority of this upcoming season, um, you still have paid him way too much money to draft a quarterback this year at third overall. Um, could Seattle draft? Trade with Arizona to get up to three? Probably not. You don't want to do that with division rivals. If you're Arizona, giving Seattle a chance to draft their quarterback of the future—that's not happening. Then you have Indianapolis at four. I guess. I guess I look at Indy and and Houston, and I, you know, you start to cook it up a little bit. What's What's going to happen with either of those two teams? So here we are. We're way heavy uh, on this, but it, it's a great topic, and I'm excited, man. It, it, this is March, right? Who needs John Rothstein when you got the number one overall pick going off the board on a Friday afternoon? Love that. 503-417-7575. John Cazzano will join the show in the 4 o'clock hour, live from Vegas, ahead of Ducks and UCLA in the Pac-12 tournament. Judah Newby in for John Cazzano on the Bald Face Truth.
0: You've got the home of the truth. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game.
1: Up in uh, the four o'clock hour, right at four o'clock. Do not go anywhere because John Kazana will join us live from Vegas. He joined us live on the show yesterday from Vegas, moments after Oregon's win over Washington State in the uh, quarterfinals of the Pac 12 tournament. And uh, now that sends Oregon into the semifinals tonight against Jaime Jaquez, Mick Cronin. Bill Walton, no, Bill's not playing tonight, but he might be on the call. And uh, the UCLA Bruins, the top seed. The other semifinal features two-seed Arizona and six-seed Arizona State. Bobby Hurley and the Sun Devils get it done. They take down the uh, USC Trojans uh, in the uh, quarterfinals late last night. I didn't get to watch much of that game, Stephen. How did ASU pull off the upset there?
2: Yeah, ASU, uh, you know, they jumped up early and they just held them off at the end of the game there. But uh, it, it's what they do. You know, they get into you and they pressure you. And UCLA or USC just didn't have didn't have the uh, the, the guards to handle it. And usually uh, USC with Boogie Ellis is pretty really good. Drew Peterson, uh, he's been hurt. He's hmm. he's one of their point forwards. He's been hurt lately. But uh, Arizona State just got into him. And Arizona State is one of those teams where. You know, it's such a cliche to say in basketball, if you make shots, you're going to win, but for them, it really is because they're not a good shooting team, and last night, they made some shots early in the game, which really got them rolling on defense and gets them excited, so uh, it should be a fun matchup with them in Arizona, but uh, I expect Arizona to get that dub, but the Oregon-UCLA game, that's that's the, real, uh, that's the main eventer, I think, for the Pac-12 tournament right now.
1: Where do these spreads sit right now? Because I think yesterday, when Oregon-UCLA opened, it was like around 5 or so, and then I checked it out this morning and it was up to six. And then later in the day I think I saw it back down to five. So yeah, where uh, is it at?
2: Yeah, it's it was five yesterday when we were doing the show. It went up to six and a half earlier today. Mm. Uh back down to five though. UCLA laying the five in that one. And then in the Arizona, Arizona State game, Arizona is laying seven and a half and you know for uh you know, a little uh a little inside of this here, uh Arizona, Arizona State when they played the Arizona State hit the half court shot to win the game. Now that was at McHale Center. Uh, at Arizona, but the Wildcats were ten and a half point favorites in that one.
1: They were ten and a half point favorites so the, in the game that Arizona State won at the buzzer.
2: And now it's seven and a half on the on the neutral side. Here.
1: On the neutral side here. All right. Well, that that makes sense um, from from sending a market standpoint. I like Arizona, <laughs> even on the number. I like them. I think they're a little bit of revenge there, the in-state rivalry. Obviously, Arizona State, you know, playing a game that probably took more out of them than uh, what took Arizona. Uh, to beat Stanford is Arizona healthy? I thought saw something about Kirk Krasa. You know, maybe getting banged up a little bit, but
2: I think this should be fine. I think uh, he's all right. Uh, yeah, all it right. should be fine. And same with Infali Dante. Like he should be fine yeah, in the that's Oregon the big game, one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always disappointing when there's uh, injuries in March for these uh, yeah. for these schools, but
1: oh so. man, I remember when Oregon went. God, well, was was it the 2019 season when, uh, or maybe it was maybe it was the 2017 final four run, I think that's where it was and Chris Boucher got hurt right before the Pac-12 tournament basically, and uh, or maybe in the Pac-12 tournament early, I can't remember, but they still, they kept winning without him, and then they got to the uh, Pac-12 tournament championship game, and I don't think they won I think Arizona won, and it was like Boucher was like one of the big reasons why uh, Oregon uh, didn't win the Pac-12 tournament, and yet, I think they ended up being a three seed, and then just started kicking some butt. Yeah, George <laughs> Jordan got Bell became
2: the best player in the oh, NCAA awesome. tournament. And, uh, awesome. I mean, he was awesome, yeah.
1: Because the year before, man, I I'm, you know might be getting some of it wrong, but I think Oregon was a one seed the year before the Final Four run, and then a three seed when they went to the Final Four. I might be off on that. But that's what I, that's what I remember in my head. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll finish up this hour, and then John Cazzano joins us live from Vegas at 4 o'clock. Don't go anywhere. This is the Bald Face Truth.
0: Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game.
1: Coming up in a few minutes, John Canzano joins the show live from Vegas. Top of the 4 o'clock hour. Be here for that. Oregon Hawks UCLA Bruins in the Pac-12 tournament semifinals tonight on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. If you are in Portland, of course, you can hear that one from Westwood One right here on 750 The Game, streaming for free at 750thegame.com. On a day that the Bears trade the number one overall pick to the Panthers, and now the betting markets think it's C.J. Stroud, of all people, going to go number one. He's the favorite, and yet I thought it was going to be Anthony Richardson, and then I thought it was going to be Bryce Young. And now I really have no idea. Maybe Carolina trades out of number one and gets you know recoups a little bit of stuff that they traded Chicago. I don't know. Anything's possible. But uh, instead of that, we fleshed that out for a little bit earlier. Let's uh, let's get to the big splash.
3: This is
0: the one thing you absolutely need to know today. Look! Look! Look at it. Where? Down there. The, The big splash.
1: Rick Patino in the headlines again, and by the way, Rick Pitino is the head coach at Going Once, Going Twice, Stephen Vaughn, Iona, Iona, thank you, out of the uh, M-A-A-C,
2: I believe. The Mac. The Mac. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but that's how I do it. The uh, Mac. Mac.
1: It makes sense to me. Uh, my little girl is just learning all her old McDonald uh, farm animal noises. That Just reminded me of uh, her goat imitation. <laughs> they play in the Mac, uh, Mid Atlantic Athletic American Association of Conference, something like that. close, Metro yeah. Atlantic, Metro
2: God. athletic conference, I believe.
1: Man, we gotta, we're gonna have to get quizzed on all the conferences soon. Uh, quickly, the story is Patino still coaching at Iona, but St. John's fired their coach. I can't remember his name, but Mike they, Anderson, Mike Anderson, thank you. And they want Rick Patino and Texas Tech. They need a new head coach, and they want Rick Pitino. And that's your big splash. Rick Pitino, Rick Pitino. You're welcome. Uh, coming up, another Italian legend, John Cazzano. He's going to call in live from Vegas. Let's do this thing. Ducks UCLA coming up on the Bald Face Truth. <laughs>
0: BBFFT T. From the PacWest Center in downtown Portland. Presented by High Caliber Millwrights. In for John Canzano. Here's Judah Newby with the bald-faced truth. Love this time
1: of year, man. Love this time of year. John Canzano checks in live from Vegas uh, in any moment now. Be here for that. It's coming up. Ducks UCLA Pac-12 Tournament semifinals. That's the thing about college basketball. You don't have to follow it throughout the entire regular season, game in, game out. You can look up, ride right around March, smell the roses. What's that smell? That smells like March. And uh smells like a Dana Altman duck's run. That's what it smells like. If they have a chance to do it. I would consider them a live dog tonight. Five-point dog against UCLA. Who you got? You can tweet at 750 the game at judanuby. And uh, give us your pick and give us who you think is going to win tonight and go to the Pac-12 Tournament Championship game Saturday night against the winner of Arizona and Arizona State. It's a lot of fun. It's a it's a good time to be the conference. Unfortunately, it's uh, the 6 o'clock games on Pac-12 Network tonight. And, you know, nothing against the Pac-12 Network, but uh, I would have rather have had that on ESPN. The late game is on ESPN, but the early game is on Pac-12 Network. Uh, let's go to Vegas right now. As promised, he is the founder and host of this radio show, The Bald Face Truth with John Canzano. He writes at com prolifically, and uh, he's in his own category. JC, thanks for taking time. How are you?
4: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, excited to see these games. and. Yeah. And uh, kind of how it how it unfolds for Oregon in particular tonight. I mean, think about their season; it's been so up and down. And if I think if you had told Dana Altman at some point of the year, "Hey, you're going to be in Vegas. You're going to have an opportunity to play against UCLA, and you win that game, and you're very likely going to, uh, you know, earn yourself a tournament berth," I think he probably would have taken that at some different points.
1: You've been paying attention to this closer than I have throughout the year. What about the Ducks did you kind of see and notice or was it just a Dana Altman bet on your part that uh that made you pick them not only to get to this point but I know earlier in the week you had them getting all the way to Saturday night.
4: I think they're planned for a whole bunch. And and look, I saw for about 12 minutes in the in the quarterfinal game against Washington State, it was about 12 minutes that made me really go wow, like at the beginning of the game, look at this team, look at the length they have, look at the the, the depth they had. There were some players who came off the bench, even, uh, you know, a, a kid like Khalil Ware who came off the bench and and looked fantastic. I mean, seven feet tall with blocking shots had a three. Um, you, you've got a lot of size, a lot of length. Um, you know, Will Richardson early in the game was distributing. He didn't really score. But for about 12 minutes, Judah, I was like, you know what? this is a really good team. They're dangerous. And if they are playing focused and they play like this, you know, they were on their way to blowing out Washington state. They can do it. But uh, you know, after that 12 minutes, they were very up and down, you know, for most of the game and lost the lead. Washington state had great shooting and got back in it. And, And then the last five minutes of the game, Oregon did the same thing. It kind of tightened up and ran away and held and held Washington state scoreless. So, Um, You know, I I do think they're playing for a whole bunch. Uh, I'm counting on them showing up and being focused and being engaged and and playing well. And then you look over at UCLA, they're a little shorthanded, lost their best defensive player. Um, You know, on paper, I think everybody would still pick UCLA. I think the point spread is UCLA, like minus five to six. Uh, But there's just something about Dana Altman in a game where, you know, he needs to win to get to the tournament that, uh, I wouldn't feel comfortable betting against him. Yeah.
1: he gets uh, the most juice out of the lemon this time of year, doesn't he? <laughs> I
4: mean, it's a yeah. hard guy
1: to bet against. I'll put it that way. Um, anything on the Nafali Dante front? I mean, I guess now is it a non-factor? His ankle or what do you know?
4: Well, <laughs> he went down. I don't know if people saw the broadcast, but he went down in a way that I thought at first: did he break his ankle? Yeah. Did he? Was it a high ankle sprain? Uh, you know, how serious it was. He was wincing. He was in pain. You know, I'm in the second row of media seats, uh, and I could see very clearly that he had a problem and he was in a lot of pain. And But, you know, he they helped him to the bench. Um, I thought it was interesting that they did not take him into the locker room for the final few minutes of the game. And then during the Ducks final timeout, he gets up on his feet and he's walking around like there's nothing. And then after the game, I saw him on the court. I walked by him. And I just kind of studied his gait as he was walking. He was walking fine. Later, Dana Aldman in the news conference about well, 15 minutes later said uh, he's going to be fine. He's going to be okay. There were a couple of support staff members at Oregon that I asked them. I said, "What is going on with him?" And they said he could be dramatic at times. I, I think that might be the that might be the explanation. But keep an eye on it. You know, if it's any kind of factor here, that definitely hurts Oregon because. He is such a presence, defensively in particular, changes a lot of shots, uh, gives opposing bigs problems. If he's not right, Oregon doesn't have a chance. So keep an eye on that early in the game. If Dante is healthy and can play, I think Oregon's in this game. And Oregon, keep in mind, Oregon led UCLA in their two meetings in the early part of the season, led both games at halftime. UCLA has got a ton of experience, obviously some really good players like Tiger Campbell and and, uh, and Jaime Jacques, if you watch uh, you watch those guys down the stretch, they're really hurt teams in the last five or eight minutes of game. So Oregon needs to get a lead and hold a lead in this game.
1: We talk about Will Richardson being an X-Factor earlier in the week. Um, you know, he didn't really stand out all that much. I know he's got a, some kind of finger thing going on. But do you still hold true to the fact that Will Richardson is the X-Factor going into tonight as well?
4: I think he's huge because you know I'll say Dante is the most important player because we all know what he could do for Oregon but Will Richardson's career at Oregon is, is such an interesting um, you know dichotomy I guess because you know he's played more games than anybody that has ever suited up at Oregon and you look at him and you think gosh he's just been there forever you know has he has he played for seven or eight years like you, he's that kind of kid he's just been around the program that many times but the, the thing that you know is really underwhelming about him is I just have never felt like he got better, even though his coaches and his teammates rave about him. I, I wait and wait to see a Will Richardson game that he just takes over. And I think you know yesterday in the quarterfinal it was a great example of that. He did not score in the game until there was about five and a half minutes left in the game. I couldn't believe it. I looked up and I said he doesn't have a bucket. He doesn't have a basket. Like, this is crunch time. This is when a player like Will Richardson needs to step up. So, you know, he's a senior, he's a leader, but uh, they cannot get into the second half without Will Richardson having points and assists and doing a lot of little things right. So, uh, you know, I, wanna, I am expecting something big from him, but I think this is one of those career-defining games. Like, what does he have? Can he help will his team into the next round of this, this conference tournament?
1: John Cazorno joining us for a moment more, live from Vegas. It's funny, John, when there's uh, big events like this for the conference. There also seems to be secondary storylines that are that that come up. I remember vividly when you went down to cover the uh, the Pac-12 championship football game a couple years back, and that was right when the Mario Cristobal rumors were all coming up and eating through, and we we had all this you know stories uh, coming out late December. Here we are with the Pac-12 basketball tournament, and yet all I can really think about is, like, are you talking to George Klyovkov? Who, who are you talking to, and where do we stand with media rights negotiations and rumors and innuendos and Brett Yormark and all this? Uh, wh- what do you got? What do you know?
4: Well, look, you know, my whole thing is I'm, I'm, I always tell people I'm here to serve listeners and readers, not the Pac-12. I'm not a mouthpiece for the conference. I'm not a mouthpiece for some network. Uh, you know, my dog in the fight here is to put some sunshine on the matter and try to figure out what's going on, you know, and I'm trying to get to people who are in that room who are having those conversations with George Klyovkov and talk to him himself, and he is at the arena. I did see him last night at the arena. walked past him. He did go to some suites and talk to some high-level donors at Washington State and Oregon during that game, so he is making rounds, but he's not doing any media talking, and I think that's been a mistake by the conference all along and in that void what we have seen crop up is a lot of misinformation uh there's there's no question there's a propaganda machine that is behind the scenes that is firing out uh story after story leak after leak that is negatively impacting the Pac-12's brand so i'm really after you know what is at the root of that and i wrote it this morning on the website at dot i i got into the weeds on you know i'm trying to talk to endeavor the company that the Big 12 hired to help them with their media rights. And, uh, you know, Karen Brodkin, who is one of the two uh, heads of Endeavor, uh, it turns out she was a finalist for the Pac-12 commissioner job. She didn't get it. George Kloskov did. I would love to talk to her about that process. And, wow. You know, and also Endeavor tried to work for the Pac-12. They they wanted to do the pac 12s media rights. They didn't get them. So I'm trying to drill down on, you know, is, is Endeavor part of that, misinformation machine that is firing behind the scenes. And for people who don't know Endeavor, Endeavor includes the William Morris Agency. It includes IMG. They own the UFC. If you watch Entourage, uh, the character Ari Gold is based uh, on Ari Emanuel, who is the head of Endeavor. Uh, so, you know, Lloyd, all that, you know, Jeremy Tibbins, Jeremy you know, character in that show, yeah. uh, all that going on in the background. And so I've got questions for Endeavor. I also have questions for several of the crisis management firms that have been retained by both the Big Ten and the Big Twelve. And I'm kind of wondering what role these firms are playing behind the scenes. Again, my loyalty is to readers and listeners, and I want answers. And, you know, I want answers even if they're ugly answers. But right now, in the inner sanctum of the PACs, 12, the presidents and chancellors maintain that they had a productive meeting on Tuesday. They will hold another meeting in two weeks. They're, they made they, I, The quote I got directly from that room was that they, quote, unquote, good progress on the media rights deal. Uh, they, they appear to be moving towards a, a deal and some resolution here, which is great for everybody. And I'm still anticipating that the media rights deal is going to come in with ESPN as the Tier 1 Partner, meaning that you'll know, you'll see games, football games on ESPN, linear provider, and that that the tier two part of the package, which is really the Pac-12 networks uh, content, uh, would end up with Amazon and or Apple. So it's possible that the Pac-12 could have ESPN. I think they covet that distribution and the glow of all that shoulder programming, and then add on top of that maybe a Friday night game on Amazon. And then all of the normal Pac-12 networks, football and basketball and Olympic sports content, very likely with either Amazon or Apple. But keep an eye on that. From the inner sanctum, they don't appear worried. They're not buying into the rumors. They're not, you know, the four corner schools aren't going anywhere. That you know, if you believe the Pac-12 and the presidents and chancellors, uh, you know, they're they're baffled by what is happening publicly with all the misinformation and propaganda. But. You know, the Pac-12 still done some things wrong, and we can talk about it for half an hour if we want. I mean, they probably should have been more tuned in to USC and UCLA being unhappy. I mean, that that's that's a sin that I think they'll live with for a while. And the presidents and chancellors, they stuck with Larry Scott for too long, put the conference on a path to nowhere, really. And so I think George Kravkoff right now is uh, doing the best he can. Uh, I think their whole mantra is to stay silent. That's not what I would do. You know me. But uh, that's where we are right now. <laughs>
1: We could talk uh, all the way up to tip-off about this. Uh, I I know uh, we'll save it for another show when you're back in the chair as well, though, and uh, we'll flesh it out. Uh, One last thing for you, and uh, I want to bring this up. Has your opinion of George Klyovkov changed at all since the time that he was hired? You got to know him, obviously, professionally, maybe a little bit personally. I know I was impressed by the guy. How has it changed, if at all, your opinion of George and how much – is riding on the final result of the circus, uh, getting to a media rights uh, agreement. I mean, it just feels like the final piece of the puzzle, a lot is riding on it for George. Do you see it similarly?
4: Yeah, I think it is, and I think, you know, we're going to judge him on that number. And, you know, the Pac-12 sources I'm talking with say that they are confident that the overall media package, the Tier 1 rights, the Tier 2 rights, the data that they had licensed and they're going to sell is going to come in within range or ahead of where the Big 12 ended up, at 31600000 million. I'll venture to say that if the number starts with a three, that people in the Pac-12 footprint are going to view that as a victory for George Klyovkov and a victory for the Pac-12. If it doesn't, I think they're going to chalk it up as a loss for the Pac-12 and a loss for Klyovkov. Um, I think he inherited – Uh, a hand that was trending in the wrong direction from Larry Scott. I think he himself made mistakes. I had one AD tell me that, you know, George had one job to keep USC in this conference. And, And so I think there are some people that are frustrated with him. But I think right now he is following the blueprint that his presidents and chancellors have asked him to follow. I don't think it's in his nature to sit quietly. I think he would rather go on offense a little bit like some of the other conference commissioners have. But I think his presidents and chancellors, his bosses, have told him, hey, this is how we want to play it. We want to stay above the fray. We're not going to get into this back-and-forth, tit-for-tat thing. And I think that's hurt Klyovkov's brand, and I think it's hurt his image. But, again, let's come back to wins and losses. It was a loss for USC and UCLA on his watch to leave. That's going in the loss column. Now he has another opportunity with this media rights deal. And I think we're going to get, you know, if it's not 10 or 12 days from now where they wrap it up in a board meeting, I think it will be shortly after that. I would be very surprised if we get to, like, a Final Four and we don't have a resolution from the Pac-12. But Mm. the longer this goes on, I think uh, the harder it becomes for the Pac-12's brand.
1: Speaking of wins and losses, who do you got tonight?
4: I'm picking Oregon, but let's be real. Anybody with half a brain is probably going to say UCLA is better, they're more talented, they're more experienced. There's just something about this tournament. Oregon's playing for, you know, UCLA's playing for seeding, right? Oregon's playing for life after, you know, after tonight. And so if Oregon loses this game, uh, they're not going to make the NCAA tournament field. And so we're going to find out, can can we get the first 12 minutes of that Oregon-Washington State game where they opened up a 19-point lead on Washington State? Can we get that? Or are we going to get an Oregon team that is, looking into the offseason and next year and the NBA draft itself. So I'll pick Oregon just because they're playing for more against a UCLA team that already knows it's going to be a high seed in the tournament.
1: John, appreciate it. Thanks for joining us once again. I uh, love the info, love the insider info. If you could follow him on Twitter, at John Canzano, BFT, read him at JohnCazzano.com. And, of course, you tune into the Bald Face Truth weekdays, 3 to 6, here on 750 The Game and the Bald Face Truth radio network. Uh, safe travels back whenever that is for you, uh, probably Sunday. And uh, you'll be back in the chair. On the air Monday from Spirit Mountain Casino. So uh, we're looking forward Uh, to that as well. We'll
4: be talking about the tournament. Yeah. And uh, the field. Will the Ducks be in it? We'll find out tonight.
1: (laughs) Thanks a lot, John. Appreciate you. Thank you. All right, there he is, John Cazzano on the bald-faced truth. We'll bounce a break and come back unpack uh, a lot of what John said. I also want your calls at 503-417-7575. How much is riding on on this for George Kleofkoff? Whatever final result comes with this media rights deal. I want your thoughts on that. Plus your pick, Ducks UCLA. Who you got? Get in now with your pick. 503-417-7575. We'll have the play-by-play of that game right here on 750 The Game and 750TheGame.com at 6 o'clock. Bounce a break and come back. Judah Newby in for John Canzano on The Bald-Faced Truth.
0: Back to The bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game.
1: Thanks to John Cazzano joining us in the previous segment live from Vegas. If you missed that, go get a podcast. Go get it now at uh, the Bald-Face Truth on, uh, on podcast. Well, we got to upload the podcast first, so we'll do, yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, give me like a minute or two. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Don't you love that? When, uh, whenever John's like, find all on the podcast, it's ready right now. And you're like, dude, I'm putting it together, like, right now. Just hold on. Sorry, Steven. Uh, I, I didn't mean to assume anything. Uh, it's going to be live shortly, if you missed it. Uh, he's picking Oregon. I think part of that is picking Oregon because, you know, he picked Oregon before the tournament to get to the championship game. So he's sticking with that pre-tournament pick. I get it. I'm a fan of that. I understand that. Um... UCLA was a five-point favorite at open. It swelled up to six, touched six and a half, comes back down through six, gets down to five. So, you know, a little bit of buyback on Oregon. I like that. That means Oregon is a live dog, in my opinion. The Nefali Dante stuff is just interesting to me. I I love how John said, you know, people close to the program that he's talking to say that sometimes Nefali Dante can be a little dramatic at times and that might have been the reason for why uh you know his ankle injury or his foot injury or whatever it was going to look like uh maybe he reacted the way he did just cuz uh you know he has a little drama every now and then i think that's hilarious to think about oh to be 21 when a your body heals at miraculous rates even if you are hurt and b you got that drama gene in you and uh and you're able to to sell things worse than they are at times but Hey, hopefully the man's healthy. Hopefully he is close to 100% healthy tonight, and it's just like a little bit of soreness, and that's it. And he can contribute in a major way for Oregon tonight. And this is one of those games. It's just like, it's funny how college basketball does this. You don't have to be paying attention game in, game out through the year, but you pick up your head, and it's March, and immediately guys wearing the jersey of your favorite team have a chance to become legends. Just like that. I mean, Keyshawn Bartholomew. Yeah, I knew who he was. But then he had a game like that, like he did against UCLA, and I'm like, one of the greatest Ducks ever, Keyshawn Bartholomew. Uh, it's the tournament. It's your conference tournaments, and it's obviously the NCAA tournament itself that has a chance to really cement you as a legend for your respective program. And it's harder in this world of transfer portal, et cetera. But still, these guys that don these Oregon jerseys, they've got a chance to really set them apart as as important key Duck players Uh, In the Dana Altman tenure that now dates back to, what, 2010, I believe, was Dana's first year at Oregon? Like, He's been there for a minute now, and uh, he's done some some big things. I want to go back and and find tournaments past. And I did look back. I was correct, thankfully. Uh, In 2016, Oregon was a one seed when they won their first-round game. They won their second-round game against, I believe, St. Joseph's. And then they beat uh, Coach K and Duke in the Sweet 16. And uh, Coach K had some words for Dylan Brooks afterwards. <laughs> Little did we know that would be a common theme for Dylan. And then Oregon in the Elite Eight lost to Buddy Heald in Oklahoma in the 1-2 game. And uh, Jerry Allen get, gets choked up there at the end. Jerry is the best. Um, but yeah, the, the Ducks make it all the way to the Elite Eight, but they don't advance after being the one seed, and then the following season, they're the two, the uh, three seed, and uh, they they find their way all the way to the final four. They're more seasoned, they're more ready, and that was a deep team, man. I remember Casey Benson, Peyton Pritchard, you know, helping you in the backcourt, Tyler Dorsey. These are guys with onions Dorsey, Brooks, Bell, Boucher, even though he was hurt by that time. I mean. This is the this is the type of team. And that team, they weren't very deep, but, you know, they the guys that came in off the bench were major contributors. And, man, you just think if, if you only could get one defensive rebound on North Carolina in that semifinal, you know, if Jordan Bell is able to block out and pull down one defensive rebound, maybe you give yourself one more chance. Uh, another heartbreaking moment in that stadium at uh, University of Phoenix Stadium at the time, State Farm Stadium now in Glendale that is – Seen a bit of heartbreak if you're a fan of the Pacific Northwest teams. If you're a Seahawks fan like myself, if you're a Duck fan as well, you uh, had a national title game in there. You had a Fiesta Bowl loss to Iowa State there. You had, uh, of course, the Final Four semifinal loss to North Carolina there. You had a Fiesta Bowl win over Kansas State there, so at least you got that. Um, They haven't made the Cheez-It Bowl, I don't think, uh, (laughs) since it's been there. But that team, man, the 16 and 17 team, the 19 team was awesome. You know, I, you know, they won the, the PAC 12 tournament that year. And I believe they were a 12 seed in that 2019 tournament and won their opening round game, won the second round game, and then gave Virginia all they could handle. Uh, Kyle guy was his name. I can't remember. Somebody guy. Yeah. Kyle guy. Kyle guy. Yeah. Ty Jerome. Ty Jerome. That was a tough as nails, Virginia team. And Peyton Pritchard, uh, senior year for him then. And, I guess junior year for them that, him then. Um but Oregon get to the Sweet 16 and well that that was like a ugly as nails game in the final score I was like 53-49 I want to say or something like that really low scoring. But you know it's one it's a game like that where it's a 12 seed Oregon top seed Virginia in the Sweet 16 you're like I'd rather bet on Dana Altman than Tony Bennett. And that's an amazing thing to say but that's the kind of reputation Dana has in this time of year, and I think it's why Konzano is picking Oregon to win this game, obviously with the caveat that UCLA's a better team, but, you know, and Mick Cronin is a heck of a coach, obviously, as well. Two strong defensive teams tonight. It's going to be a tough one. I'm going to pick UCLA, but, man, I never like picking against Dana Altman. 503 75, 75. Who's your pick in the game tonight? Ducks and Bruins. Who's your pick in Arizona? Arizona State? Any uh, upset potential there? Spreads around seven, seven and a half. So uh, we'll see how that one unfolds. Uh, once you're in on that, you can tweet at 7:50 the game as well. And of course, talking about the the Bears Panthers big trade that's shaking up the NFL draft. Uh, talking a little Blazers. They're underway with uh, with Philly. Hopefully, that doesn't get too ugly uh, for
2: Portland. It's a good start. How we looking? Blazers are up by ten. I'm not joking. You're not joking. I'm not. Oh, okay. I'm not. Oh, all right. All right, We do need it to only be up by eight at the end of the first quarter, though. I did take a live Philly plus eight and a half, so let's root for that, everybody.
1: What? How much time's left?
2: Yeah, it was like three minutes. Plenty, oh, plenty okay.
1: of time. All right, let's root for Philly for the next three minutes so we can flip back. Yeah, go back blazers. Hashtag live betting. It's the best. 503-417-7575. Uh, a little bounce break and come back. Rip through some punched audio and uh, take some more of your phone calls. Also, what's your peeve is coming up. Uh, Later, Let's do it this hour. Let's say 445 we'll do What's Your Peef, and then uh, we'll get into our 5 o'clock hour and take this thing home on a Friday. Busy Friday. It's good to be here. Judah Doobie in for John Canzano on the Bald Face Truth.
0: You've got the home of the truth. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game.
1: We'll do What's Your peeve coming up uh, in about 10 minutes. Thanks to John Cazzano joining the show uh, just uh, moments ago, breaking down what he thinks in UCLA and Oregon at 6 o'clock. What's your pick? 503-417-7575. Um, who do you got, Steven?
2: I agree with you that Oregon is live. You and John both think Oregon is live to win this game. Yeah. I, I'm not going to go. I think UCLA is going to win the game, though. I I just think they have too much talent, and I know the Jalen Clark injury have talked about how big that is. I still think UCLA is the more tougher team and more mentally tough team. I think Oregon could come out like they did against Washington State and really get up on Oregon but man, I just trust that experience and that toughness that UCLA has with Tommy Hawkins, who's the best player in the conference. Tiger Campbell, all those dudes—they've been through a lot of wars on the court. I, I yeah, just like UCLA right. yeah. to uh, win this game.
1: All right. Uh, in the meantime, let's do some punch it audio. <laughs>
0: We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Fish Truth Headquarters. Hey, we're all about truth, justice, and the American way here, okay? Which is why we've spanned the globe and pulled the top
3: audio cuts of the day. You're going to hear little snippets of sound. Hey,
0: it's time for Punch It Audio, presented by First Call Heating and Cooling. We
1: just had John Cazzano on the show, and uh, he was talking about... Nefali Dante being a factor in this game. Punch it.
4: If he's not right, Oregon doesn't have a chance. So keep an eye on that early in the game. If Dante is healthy and can play, I think Oregon's in this game. And Oregon, keep in mind, Oregon led UCLA in their two meetings in the early part of the season. Led both games at halftime.
1: Yeah, uh, Dante is certainly going to be a key player. Uh, Steven, have you twisted an ankle in your playing days like uh, Nafali did?
2: <laughs> uh, definitely. Definitely twisted ankle. Definitely done a lot of things. And it, it just kind of depends, right? Like, you can play on a twisted ankle if it's just, you know, if it's not serious, right? If it's a serious ankle injury, it's tough. Even if it is serious, you can play on it. But I think for Dante, he's so big, and the way he plays defense is to help out. It's going to be tough if he gets hurt, but by all counts, it seems like he's ready to go.
1: NFL Panthers trade up for the number one overall pick from the Chicago Bears trade a lot to do it they're giving Bears the ninth overall pick obviously where Carolina was going to be selecting they're giving them a second round pick in the 60s they're giving them a first round pick next year they're giving them a second round pick the year after that and they're giving them budding star wide receiver DJ Moore it's a lot NFL Network team Rappaport. Punch
2: it.
5: Yeah, I mean, Scott Fitterer has been clear really from the beginning. He's going to be in every deal, and they have been aggressive in I would say everything they've done, right? I mean, they were uh, aggressive in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. Obviously, did not end up with him. They went and got Baker Mayfield. They went and got Sam Darnold. There's been several different opportunities for the Carolina Panthers to do kind of I would say what Seattle did, which is where Scott Fitterer came from, which is take a bunch of shots at quarterback. None had worked out. So you know what we're just gonna go get the best quarterback in the draft and what ends up being a pretty good year for quarterbacks in this draft there's been a lot of questions about the quarterback position for the Panthers and you know are they gonna go let's say sign Jimmy Garoppolo is that gonna be a stopgap or who are they gonna sign they don't need to they do not need to the Carolina Panthers they believe are going to be set at quarterback obviously you got to pick the right one they're in perfect position to pick the right one it has been a an odyssey I would say for the Panthers but they now have the opportunity to get the number one overall pick. I would say they are pretty happy in Carolina.
1: When I saw Carolina's getting the uh, number one pick, I was like, woo, Anthony Richardson, Cam Newton 2.0. And then I was like, you know what? Bryce Young makes more sense for for Frank Reich, I think. And then Steven is said, oh, by the by, betting markets, strongly favoring now cj stroud to go number one overall and i'm like what what is happening uh great time of year right this is march so i don't know i can't fully tell i think that josh mccown you know scouting cj stroud uh if that's where all this is coming from i think that's a bit of an overreaction but at the same time they're gonna have their pick of the litter at number one overall also that's a ton of stuff to give to Chicago if you're going to end up taking C.J. Stroud, who you could have had probably at three or four if you wanted to make a deal up there. Is, is Stroud Is Stroud the guy? Like, that's the I thing. See, I don't think so. Him? I think, is he him? Is he him? I, it's a great question. Thank you. Um, I actually think C.J. Stroud is better than current perception. So I, I fall on the pro C.J. Stroud side of things best player in this draft side of things i'm not there yet but if carolina is more power to them man they are going all in on this uh oladapo oregon state beavers gonna be a key returning piece for the beaver defense spring ball going on in corvallis Kai Noladapo, why he wanted to come back this year? Punch it.
3: Uh, the main thing I was thinking about uh, is winning the Pac-12 championship, to be honest, uh, finishing school. Um, another year with the guys, you know, could come in here, get better. You know, did I did love winning, you know, the Las Vegas Bowl and going 10-3, and three, but a lot more on the table that we can do and um, finish my education and, you know, improve my draft stock. So I think there's a lot of positives coming back and excited to be here.
1: You know, I was talking to somebody earlier this week about Oregon State football and, you know, they were just like, yeah, like the Beavers are on the upswing, but it's it's still not duck football. I'm like, I I know what you mean. I know what you're saying. Like, if you ask the general sports fan, especially in the Portland market or down in Eugene where we're on, of course, like ducks football is and probably will be more popular than beaver football for, for a while, just based on the decade and a half, uh, you know, start that they had on Oregon State in terms of competing at an elite level and recruiting at an elite level. But the Beavers are coming. (laughs) To borrow a Dionism, they coming. And I don't think that Kai Noladapo is very far off when you're thinking that, hey, they could win the Pac-12 championship this year.
2: I mean, Jonathan Smith said it at media day, and we all kind of looked at it like, was he serious? And it was close, right? Like, they kind of were right there. I think it's good that they're talking about it. Like, they have... They have, you know, clear goals of what they want to do this year. And Oladapo, you know, he's going to be stepping into that leadership role with all those guys leaving. It's I think it's great that Oregon State is getting out in front of this and trying to say, you know what, we're going to the Pac-12 title game. That's our goal.
1: Offensive coordinator Brian Lindgren is a sneaky big piece of that puzzle at Oregon State, in my opinion. Everybody, you know, we think of Jonathan Smith and it's his scheme, yada, yada. But, hey, man, Lindgren has a huge role in developing quarterbacks and, of course, play calling. He talked about his impressions of DJ Uyungulale at spring ball so far. Punch it.
0: Yeah, he's been he's been an awesome guy to get to know, and, and uh, has, has played a lot of football and, and played in some big time games. And I think he's had an awesome attitude as far as coming into a new program, uh, respecting some of the guys that have been here. Um, but man, I just think that uh, kind of humble confidence, uh, I think, kind of. Uh, sat well with Coach Smith and I during the recruiting process of like, yeah, hey, this guy's really, really a, a confident guy, but he's also real um, for all the stuff that he's done and how highly recruited he was. Um, just coming in, I think, uh, had a really good attitude about learning, um, being patient with it, learning the offense. And man, I really enjoyed getting to know him and, and um, awesome work ethic. And I'm just excited to see him develop from now through the end
3: of spring. It's going to be fun to be a part of. It.
1: DJ U, best Beavers quarterback since Sean Manning. Sean Manning, yeah. Right? <laughs> Jake Luton. <sighs>
2: Jake Luton with the NFL. <laughs> Former Jag great.
1: I love Jake. I remember running into Scott Barnes. It was like the weekend that the Beavers played at Wazoo and Luton had that terrible injury the kind of neck spinal injury that he had i think that's what it was it was the thoracic something and uh it's never good when you have a thoracic something and i remember running into scott barnes in lake oswego actually that like the the next day or two i was like How, how's jake doing and he was like it was heavy on his heart you could tell like everybody was really concerned and worried about Luton for him to come back from that and uh, still be on an NFL roster Make a couple starts in Jacksonville Like Jake Luton's actually pretty good Like Everybody really liked him and his frame and his arm Like he had some stuff
2: I think I saw that he's on the Saints roster now Is that right? Yeah
1: Saints trying to rework Jameis Winston's contract
2: He's the next Jameis
1: Awesome Jameis Luton Let's go get him some crab legs Just kidding uh, In the NFL though Mark Murphy, he is the president of the Green Bay Packers. He's also their CEO. Made some headlines today. Was asked, uh, is letting Aaron Rodgers come back to the Green Bay Packers, is that a priority? And Murphy says, no, it's not. Punch it.
5: Yeah, you know, I think, uh, I mean, I can't get into all the details, but, you know, it's a situation where I think we wanted uh, to help Aaron achieve what he wanted as well as the
4: Packers and hopefully – uh, you know, create a situation where it's kind of a win for both sides.
1: Wanted to be a win for both sides, but it's not a priority for Aaron Rodgers to come back to Green Bay. Man, he's gone.
2: That comment seemed like he's
1: gone. He gone. In the words of uh Hawk Harrelson, he gone. Uh, you can
2: put it on the board. Yeah, is uh, is Jordan Love? How, how do you think Jordan Love is as a quarterback?
1: I like him. You actually, do. yeah, I like him. I like that he's gotten to sit for three years. Yeah. <laughs> I do like that. I saw the they were Sunday Night Football in Philly late in the year, and uh, Rodgers played most of the game. And actually, they, they moved the ball on Philly. That was one of the reasons why I like Kansas City over Philly was because, you know, good quarterback against the Philly defense, you could do some things. Green Bay did some things. They scored over 30 points. But if you remember, Rodgers got hurt at the end of that game. Jordan Love came in toward the end of the game and looked pretty good. Uh, I was impressed by what I saw, so I think I think I'm a little bit bullish on what he can be. I don't know if he can be a Pro Bowler out of the gate or like an All Pro player down the road. I I don't know about that, but I'm optimistic on his future. I think it's I think it's in a decent spot, but a lot of it because is coming from the spot that he's been able to sit for a couple years.
2: I also think just Green Bay, they're just done with Rodgers. Like, yeah. fans, yeah, team, players, teammates, it don't matter. Like, I yeah. think everyone's kind of done with him and his, his little shit. I stick. mean,
1: he's, he's taking meetings with the Jets in California. Like, why would why would you want him back at that point? Like, he's talking to other teams. He's under contract with Green Bay.
2: <laughs> he doesn't want him. Nobody wants him there, <laughs> yeah. so get him out of there.
1: Look, I, I'm still pro Aaron Rodgers compared to most people, but I also understand that sentiment. Uh, and then Dylan Brooks, man, he keeps dusting it up with folk on the court. At least he's still on the floor playing for Memphis at this point. They're uh, they're without a lot of guys, but they got a big win over the Warriors last night. And Dylan Brooks had a little smack talk with Draymond Green. Punch it.
3: What was the message that you had to Draymond? That's what I do. I talk, and you know, I told him, I told, I, I told him that um, you know, keep that mic, keep that mic. He's better at the mic than pooping. You know what I'm saying? So. Keep doing this podcast. Keep blogging. Keep doing this thing off the court. You no, know, it's cute. It's fun. For
1: it's cute. It's fun. I love. Uh, I love the trash talk that involves the word "cute." That, that's always. It's a real that's, diss. A, that's a go-to diss, man. Oh, that's cute.
2: It's such it's like, a okay. it's such a backhanded compliment. Yeah, like, that's cute.
1: But to me, that's not even good. That's not good trash talk. It's like that's like what that's a go-to trash talk line when you're still working on your trash talk game. You call other people cute. Like, Dylan Brooks, you know what? Your trash talk? Your trash talk's cute. Step it up a little bit, Dylan. I know you can do better than that. I know you got more more of that in you.
2: Is Dylan Brooks the most unlikable player in the NBA? Has he surpassed Draymond Green? Oh, I was thinking Pat Bev. But Pat Bev, too. Yeah.
1: Um, I think he's up there. I, he's got to do it. He's got to piss somebody off in the playoffs one more time. Like, uh, I at the time, I was so you know, I was ripping Dylan Brooks for taking out Gary Payton, the second. And now what I know now about Gary Payton, the second, no, I'm still mad that Dylan Brooks did that. You can't be doing that to a a, a guy. Even if I don't like Gary Payton, the second, you can't root for anybody to get hurt like that. But, uh, you know, that was some duck on beef crime, which was kind of funny in the playoffs. He has another moment like that in the playoffs. Then yeah, I think he crosses the line, but those other guys, they've done it, you know, in April a little bit more than, uh, you know, Pat Bev, he, he got Minnesota to win a play-in game and then acted like he won the NBA Finals.
2: Good for him. I will say, like, <laughs> you know, just looking at the Blazers, they are missing physicality. I know Dylan Brooks is a terrible shooter and he's inefficient, but man, I would love to have a guy like Dylan Brooks on yeah. the Blazers who's tough and is not going to back down from dudes like Draymond Green. Like,
1: exactly. The
2: toughness is something that you can't really quantify, but you need on your team, especially the Blazers. Like. Who was the last
1: guy that was liked that here? And you, no one saved Ruben Patterson.
2: Dale Davis, maybe I don't know.
1: I you love mean, Dale Davis. Guy. Brian
2: Grant. I mean, the
1: original was Murgis Lucas, obviously. Yes, but I mean, Brian, you, Brian Grant was, Grant was, was up there. Yeah, like he wouldn't back tough down from anybody. Yeah, anybody this century? Zach that Collins. <laughs> <laughs> that's putrid audio. Here on the Bald Face Truth, <laughs> that's a good one. Uh will bounce to break and come back. You can line it up right now. What is your peeve? What is your peeve? 503-417-7575. Something bothering you? Something get under your skin a little bit? Don't take it with you into the weekend. Bring it here to the show. Get it off your chest. 503-417-7575. It's brought to you by a dental repair company. And uh, we'll clear that benchmark coming up next on The Boldface Truth.
0: Back to the Bald-Faced Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game.
1: What's your peeve time, huh? 503-417-7575. We'll take your calls. What is your peeve? We'll do the 5 at 5 at the top of the hour as well and uh, take you all the way up to 6 o'clock here in the portland area you will hear ucla and oregon going at it on 750 the game 750 the game.com from westwood one uh and that will be good as well but let's go ahead let's clear the thing time for what's your peeve
0: what's your peeve oh that pisses me off that pisses me right off call 503-417-7575 and tell Kenzano what's your peeve on the
3: bft <laughs>
0: Brought to you by Revolution Dental Implant Center. A smile revolution, one day solution.
1: That's what it was, an implant center. That's who it is. Revolution. Appreciate that. Uh, My peeve is Oregon and UCLA. This is a big game. Big, big game. Huge for the conference. Like, this is massive implications. We need this on our crown jewel. And it's on the Pac-12 network at 6 o'clock. That is my peeve. Pac-12 Network, 6 o'clock. What are we doing? Come on, as Vince Lombardi would say, what the hell's going on out there? Uh, Normally, these games, the semifinals, are both on ESPN. But today, for whatever reason, the first semis on Pac-12 Network and then Arizona, Arizona State, that's going to be a far less compelling game, in my opinion is gonna be on ESPN. That is my peeve. You can share yours 503-417-7575. What do you got, Steven?
2: Well I'm not gonna lie, that was exactly what my peeve <laughs> was gonna be. Uh it's like we're sharing the same brain right now. Oh boy. But uh no, I you know, I have lots of peeves all the time. And uh you know, I'm gonna go back to this one. <laughs> you talked about this yesterday, the water heater breaking. Oh, there is oh, no so worse sorry. feeling than cold showers. And it's like you have to take it. Like, if you don't take a shower, like, what are you doing? You're going to come in all stinky, all gross. I don't know. I'm not about that life. Like, you got to do something. But cold showers are just the worst. I don't know how people do it. There's some people that do that on the rig on purpose. Like, that is not not ideal for Steven. So just (laughs) cold showers, man. I just – the water heat breaking, just – Inopportune time, you know, NCA tournament time. I want to get a lot of bets in, but now you know I gotta spend money on a water heater. Like sorry. Like what are we doing here?
1: Bankroll bankroll gets roll. a little less with uh with So
2: I was peeved. I was peeved about the water heater.
1: That's a worthy peeve. Adjacent to that, I know you're chasing a little bit because of the water heater situation. It's like a big bet that that's lost. Uh and part of your uh strategy is live betting. Blazers Sixers, and can, can you tell? That the mid- at- yeah, you've been just staring at Blazers Sixers. What <laughs> are your live bets in the first half? Somehow you got three plus eight and, and a
2: half, half in the first tees. quarter. That was, that was a was And what happens from the Pac-West Center in downtown Filling Portland? Down by, uh, presented by High Caliber Millwrights. In for John Kinshaw. Here's Jude
0: Newby with Friday, the Bald Face Truth. Final hour. On a Friday, the Bald Face Truth taking you up to 6 o'clock. Oregon takes on UCLA right here on the Bald Face Truth
1: Radio Network flagship. 750 game. And streaming for free at 750 gamecom It's all from Westwood one. have both semifinals finals the back <laughs> Steve, so be Steve, here for that. That's in it was, one uh, hour's time. And just hang out with us until and that gets time. A thanks bit thanks of it to John on who joined money. us. In hour number bit. two, we'll reset you know, invest, some audio from, right from John's appearance at 5.30. Right. In case <laughs> you weren't here at 4 o'clock, reset some audio <laughs> from John's <laughs> appearance uh, coming up, up at the bottom of this on hour Monday, as well. So be here been for that. Been playing What's Your peeve? That's going be great fun. today. I know if, if you, got you want to peeps, share some of yours, you can at 503-417-7575. Brought to you by the revolutionary dental implant company. That are not car related. because we also have what's on tap. There's a million different related Peefs that you can have with people driving up. I'm on this In fact, weekend, most but first let's do the five and five, so I'll, I'll probably share one or two more, than the, five. the last hour, <laughs> five. Uh, your prediction on Numero, UCLA, Uno. you, you got to start with Both the National Football League, hour. it is king, somehow, this time of year, it's still making headlines, and it's pretty easy to do when the number one overall pick gets traded, the Chicago Bears are trading the number one overall pick to the Carolina Panthers, Panthers and first year head coach Frank Reich. Going from number 9 all the way up to number 1. Chicago now picking at number 9. What else is going to Chicago in this deal? Well, DJ Moore, to me, the biggest piece of this trade is going back to Chicago. The most uh, impactful pass catcher that the Bears have on that roster. Now, you got a pretty decent pass catching unit. You got DJ Moore. You, of course, have Darnell Mooney. You got Chase Claypool for whom you traded from pittsburgh midway through the season and you got cole commit at tight end who is one of the more underrated tight ends in the league you've got some stuff now for justin fields still got to protect the dude he was pressured among the most uh quarterbacks in football last year he also took the most sacks his sack rate was the worst in the nfl he's got to do a better job avoiding sacks some of that is pass protection some of that is Justin Fields knowing when to get out and run a little counterintuitive because we we saw so many highlights of him being able to run but he still took a lot of sacks last year hopefully adding a weapon like uh, DJ Moore is going to help if you're a Chicago fan in addition to DJ Moore coming they're also getting Carolina's second round pick at 61 and they're getting Carolina's first round pick next year it's a big deal and they're getting Carolina's second round pick in 2025 This is an absolute haul, a U-Haul, that Ryan Poles is getting back from Scott Fitterer in the Chicago-Carolina trade.
2: What kind of pressure is this put on Justin Fields? Like, he's the guy now in Chicago. He's got weapons. I I don't want to say it's a make-or-break year for him, but is there a lot of pressure on Justin Fields to win this year, especially if Aaron Rodgers leaves? Like, the Vikings are going to fall down a little bit, it seems like. Is this a shot where Justin Fields needs to really perform? I think so.
1: Yeah, and one of the reasons why is just because they get DJ Moore and just because, uh, you know, they they trade out of the number one pick and go down to nine. it's It's a vote of confidence in Justin Fields for this year. But I think part of the advantage that getting all this draft capital back from Carolina does for Chicago is you can keep your options open after Justin Fields if you want cuz now you got two first round picks next year. So if you want to move on from Justin Fields next year, you got two first round picks to draft up and get the quarterback that you want next year if you if you want. So I think Ryan Polis did a ma- marvelous job here. Marvelous job. Really impressed with that. And uh eventually they'll have to extend DJ Moore as well, but man. Really really good haul, really good get back add another good offensive lineman in this draft maybe at number nine maybe not but part part of having two first round picks next year now in part of this trade man if justin fields is not the guy you still got two first round picks to to get your next quarterback if you want number four of the five at five we of course have the pac-12 tournament going on tonight oregon ucla it's about a five five and a half point spread I think UCLA wins, but I'll go ahead and say Oregon covers. I think it's a close game down to the wire. UCLA ices it with a couple free throws late from Jaime Hawkes. That's what I'm saying. Uh, they win by four. But you never want to pick against Dana Altman this time of year. He's got a reputation that speaks for itself. Ducks Bruins coming up at 6 o'clock on 750 Game, 750thegame, 750 game.com And then Arizona State, Arizona, the other semifinal after that. Uh, I'll go ahead and uh, pick Arizona there. And I I don't think it'll be close. I think they cover and get some revenge on the Sun Devils who beat them with a buzzer beater in Tucson just a couple of weekends ago. Number three in the five at five. Packers president Mark Murphy says that Aaron Rodgers' return to Green Bay is not their top priority right now. They're just uh, they prefer to move on from Aaron at this point and start the Jordan Love era. This is after Rodgers already met with the New York Jets earlier this week. And uh, a trade to the Jets is becoming a little bit more imminent. Look, I, I did a whole segment on this yesterday. I think this would be a great move for the Jets. And getting Aaron Rodgers would make them the favorites in the AFC East right now. And maybe, maybe in line for a top two seed in the AFC. Like, I, I'd put them right there with Cincinnati put him there with Kansas City just from a like roster standpoint and boy the AFC is ridiculously fascinating if Aaron Rodgers ends up in New York I really like it for the Jets the aesthetic is weird it's going to be super weird seeing Aaron Rodgers in a different uniform especially a Jets uniform but I still I'm a fan of it for New York and you know what I'm a fan of it for Green Bay as well if they're able to, to get this done Jordan Love time is now so let's get to work Number four at the five at five, Justin Herbert's birthday today. Congrats. You did it. You made it to 25 years old. Man, he's just a baby. I would never tell that to him to his face, though. Uh, 25 years old today, Justin Herbert got a new offensive coordinator in Kellen Moore with the Chargers. And uh, after Daniel Jones, Derek Carr, and Geno Smith got their money, Justin Herbert is among the short list of quarterbacks that are next to eventually get extended and extended for big money. So looking forward to, to seeing that Justin Herbert and number five of the five at five, Miami dolphins have picked up the 50 year option on Tua Tungo Loa. And, uh, that's kind of significant. They're deciding to keep Tua around for a little bit. And, uh, Adam Schefter says that this, in all likelihood, takes him out of the running for a big quarterback this offseason. And I agree with that. There were Tom Brady rumors floating around out there. There was some Aaron Rodgers speculation floating around out there, but bringing back Tua on the fifth-year option, they had to do it before the deadline of May 2nd, so they get it done well ahead of that. And uh, Tua will remain the number one quarterback quarterback for the Miami Dolphins right now, and that is your five at five. Honorable mention, Blazers Sixers is now at halftime. And uh how bad is Portland getting beat right now, Steven?
2: Uh, by about negative fourteen. They're up fourteen.
1: Amazing. I think it's fourteen. And Freddie Simons playing right and playing well.
2: Yeah, playing well on fire. Um Jeremy Grant playing well, scoring the buckets. Yeah, the Dame's not even having like an ultra great game. It's kind of everyone around him, which is very, uh, very odd.
1: Is it March 13th or something? Is it Friday the 13th? You're saying everybody around Dame is playing well? It's weird. That is weird. makes me feel a little uneasy, if I'm being honest. Uh, taking some of your calls at 503-417-7575. Let's go to Vancouver. Uh, Knox is in Vancouver, wants to talk about Aaron Rodgers. What's up, Knox?
3: Hey, man, I'm a little confused.
4: So, I understand the Jets have needs, but Aaron Rodgers, you're giving up two first-round picks at least, and you're going to pay him that $60 million a year, and you may have him one year, maybe two. Would you? I, I really just cannot comprehend why a team would do that for one year. I understand he's a good player, but I would go for the Baltimore quarterback and sign him you're giving away the same amount of picks, and you're going to pay him less.
1: Mm. Does
4: that make sense to you? Yeah,
1: yeah. No, your reasoning makes a lot of sense. Um, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to be there just one year, though. That's that's the thing. I think they're going to have to have some – there is going to be a contract restructure of some kind here, and I think that's one of the reasons it's taking a little bit
2: of time. <laughs> but it hasn't stopped it before. No. Right? Like, if he doesn't no. like it, like a situation, he'll be like, I'm going to retire or i want to go somewhere else
1: dude if he retires and then unretires and retires and unretires, i mean that's exactly what brett did <laughs> and then just watch he'll replace Kirk cousins in minnesota in a couple of years and take him to an nfc title game and lose like that that's what's going to happen throw, throw a pass across his
2: body throw an interception
1: oh dude it, we got to have the audio of that is one of my favorite Radio play by play calls of all time. But what do you think of that? The, uh, about? What, the what? Vikings play by play guy, Paul Allen, call, so annoyed, calling the Brett Favre
2: interception
1: in the 09 NFC title game.
2: But what do you think of Knox's uh, <laughs> strategy of rather having Lamar Jackson? Because I agree with him. I, mm. I don't get why teams are already out on Lamar Jackson. Like I understand that he's more of a runner than a passer, and he hasn't won big yet in the playoffs, but like the guy is special. He's won MVPs, and the Ravens, I don't understand Question why the Ravens don't you. want do to Do you think.
1: Because the whole thing with Lamar Jackson, former MVP at 26 years old. Yeah. You get him in his prime. Like, that's the thing. Do we make too big a deal of winning an MVP?
2: I just think he's, like— I, Especially I, if he won it three years ago. No. I think you have to be special to win an MVP. Like, you have to be on that special level. There's not— like
1: the, Cam won an MVP in 2015. Did he ever come close to that level in the years after? No.
2: No, but he was. But they got to the Super Bowl that year, and maybe yeah. should have won that game. Well,
1: what Baltimore do the year Lamar won the MVP?
2: He hasn't won much. They in the didn't. Playoffs. They
1: didn't win a playoff game. They lost to the six seed Tennessee Titans.
2: But wouldn't you rather invest in a younger player like Lamar Jackson rather than going with an old player, Aaron Rodgers, who didn't even play well last season?
1: Aaron Rodgers did play fine last season.
2: Fine. Yeah. Actually, no. He played good last season. You gotta, he also he also lost to the Lions in the final game of the season at home to make the playoffs.
1: That I was shocked by. <laughs> that I was shocked by. He also, similar to Lamar, doesn't have much to throw to in Green Bay, even though Lamar had Mark Andrews. Um, there's something about Lamar's availability that is weird to me. I will say that. The whole, how how his knee thing kind of came and went. And there's no... Question: He was using that in his own interest for his leverage this off season, but it smelled weird to me. I mean, the fact that Baltimore was saying one thing and Lamar wasn't saying anything at all, and obviously he represents himself in all these negotiations. Like, I think you can win a Super Bowl with Lamar and Jackson. Yeah, I, I do think you can, but at the same time, I don't know. I think there's the pendulum is swinging both ways with him right now and I would rather have Aaron Rodgers but at the you know at flying at 30,000 feet for next season I'd rather have Aaron Rodgers but the price point I think is a little sticky between the two guys and to uh, Knox's point you know you're you're trading a couple of first round picks for either guy both guys are going to command a similar you know draft capital haul in return um I just think for New York, I like the idea of an, of not that Lamar is not established, but he still comes. It's a weird thing to say. I think Lamar comes with a couple more question marks than Aaron Rodgers does right now. Do you agree with that um, or no?
2: I guess on the on the field, yeah, yeah, because he's not like the pure pass that Aaron Rodgers is. I just I,
1: well I, and I, availability.
2: I just yeah, that's true. I just think he, you know I think what I mean. Like it it was, athleticism, yeah.
1: Well, yeah, he's he's the best athlete at quarterback in the league, and he has been for a while. Yeah. What? When? What? What does he have to show for?
2: It? You are right because I think maybe in New York, Rogers might be a better option, right? Because they do have mm. guys all around him that he can get it to. But if you're if you're the Dolphins, or if you're the Falcons, or if you were the Panthers, even before trading for this first overall pick, like why would you not want to build around a Lamar Jackson, right? I, I feel like that would be just such well, a better pick. It's, fit a, for
1: it's a, also a commitment to a style of play. And that's why. Look, like, the funny thing is, is I thought Greg Roman was probably the best case scenario for a style of play for a guy like Lamar Jackson, and they, they ran him out of town. You know, the the guy that constructed the the Kaepernick Forty Nine er offense, like that's the Lamar Jackson offense. Do you think is there another style of offense that fits Lamar Jackson better? No, no. I mean that, and it's just like. I, I guess you could argue New York could do some of that, but, I mean, it's Nathaniel Hackett there, you know?
2: That's...
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what I'm saying?
2: Like, you, 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 sound, think... you sound like you're lower on Lamar Jackson.
1: I am, yeah. I like him. You know, this is one of those things. When, when you say that you're low on a guy, like, everybody thinks you hate him. Right. And obviously, no, no, that's no. not the case. But if we're just comparing two guys, who would you rather have? I'd rather yeah. have Aaron Rodgers, even this upcoming season, than Lamar Jackson. Would you rather have
2: Lamar or Geno?
1: Ah, Lamar. <laughs> okay.
2: Okay. I just want to see how low you were on Lamar.
1: Part of that is because I saw Lamar when they came to Seattle a couple of years ago maybe and just just freaking ran all over Seattle. It's just like, oh, my gosh. But
2: Is there a team that's going to offer Lamar Jackson a contract? Because he can go anywhere or sign any contract, and the Baltimore has the choice to match
1: or not. Now, see, that I would be stunned if nobody offered him. But, uh, you know two first round picks <sighs> he's worth two first round picks, but I feel like there's there's teams that have other questions about him, and, and people immediately play the race card with all that i don't I don't think that's the case, you know, people say collusion and stuff like that. I don't think that's the case. I think that's a convenient narrative to go with, but the fact that he represents himself and he's playing all this kind of hardball with his own team, like that does not make him an attractive person to to work with with your next team. It just doesn't. And reputation matters at a certain point like this. Um I also I'm, I tend to believe that we just see the statement, former MVP and just like, therefore he's God. It's like, man. And you could say the same thing about Rodgers, I guess, except, you know, you say he fell off last year. He didn't. He still spun it last year with with guys that were tough. I mean, you know, guys that were tough to, to get open. Um, I was shocked that he lost to the Detroit game, but he definitely, he did not fall off a, a cliff the way that, I know you didn't say he fell off a cliff. You know, you used the Max Kellerman line on, on Tom Brady, but... You know, Rodgers is still a really, really, really good quarterback. But you talk about, like— The perception is that his team missed the playoffs and he lost the last game of the season, and therefore he's, you know, he's fallen off a lot. And, you know, the truth is somewhere in the middle with that. He just won two MVPs two years before that.
2: But you're just talking he's about— He's
1: how... four in his career. That's different than Lamar winning one three years ago and not winning a playoff game until they beat the Titans in the wild card.
2: Like you ask how, how Lamar's done in the playoffs. It's not like Eric yeah. Rodgers had a great playoff run as of late. He won a Super Bowl against the Steelers back, yeah. what, 2009?
1: 2010 season. Yeah, yeah
2: like 15 yeah. years they ago. They went to the, so the NFC
1: Championship like, in 2014. They, they were eight-and-a-half-point dogs to Seattle, and they should have beat them, and they lost the miraculous you know comeback in that year. They went to the NFC title in 2016. Remember when he beat Dallas in the divisional with that last-second throw to Jared Cook on the sideline? And, they, and they've also lost to the and 49ers got-
2: at home. Two years ago. Yeah.
1: They got their butts kicked in in the 2016 NFC title. They got their butts kicked in the 2019 NFC title game in San Francisco. They lost as a big favorite at home to San Francisco in the divisional round two years ago. They lost to Tom Brady in the NFC title in the COVID year. They have fallen short in high leverage, big, big moments. I guess that's an argument in favor of Lamar Jackson if you're comparing Lamar to Aaron Rodgers. To me, I guess it's more, you know. It's a style thing for it, you, isn't it? I think it's a little bit of a style thing, but mostly it's because I really have a a lot of respect for Greg Roman, and I think the Greg Roman offense was the best fit for Lamar Jackson, and now he's going to work his way out of it, and obviously they don't have Greg Roman anymore, and I just, I, I guess I need to see it. I need to see it. With Aaron Rodgers and the Jets and good, great defense and good running game and Nathaniel Hackett, a guy he's familiar with, I just like that fit better and that style better for New York than Lamar Jackson there. But I, I will say I think it's a good conversation and a good debate. I don't think there's a clear-cut answer any way, any uh any way, but I think it's a good debate there. I can see it going either way, but I would take Rodgers. 503 417 It's good stuff. The NFL's good stuff. And the Blazers are winning amazingly. So it's it's all it's all smiles. On this Friday, ahead of Oregon and UCLA, coming up at the top of the hour here on 750 The Game and 750TheGame.com. Uh, bounce to break and come back, and uh, we'll reset some sound coming up as well from John Gonzano's appearance in the 4 o'clock hour. If you missed any part of that, uh, you can listen back to it here coming up in a few moments. Newbie in for Gonzano right here
0: on The Face Truth. Back to the bald faced truth with John Canzano on 750 the game.
1: Look at what's on tap uh, coming up in a little bit. Reset some sound from John Canzano's appearance on the show last hour. He joined us live from Vegas. Talking about Oregon and UCLA, why he's picking the Ducks. Nefali Dante, also in the, the latest he knows on uh, all the reports and the rumors out there with the Pac-12 and media rights negotiations and all that good, lovely stuff that's out there. Uh, so we'll reset some of that sound from John Canzano as well. If you've got peeves, you can continue to share those at 503-417-7575. They're talking about the top overall pick in the draft being traded by the Chicago Bears to the Carolina Panthers. And uh, I initially thought, oh, there you go. Anthony Richardson, someone swinging for the fences in Carolina. Cam Newton 2.0. And then I thought, you know what? Bryce Young makes a little bit more sense. And then Stephen tells me "Uh, the betting market has swung firmly in favor favor of C.J. Stroud. And now I'm like, now I don't know what to think. I will say Ben Solak, who's one of my uh I like I like reading Ben. Young, young guy, but he writes a lot on the NFL for The Ringer. He tweeted out earlier about twenty minutes ago or so. He uh screenshotted a news story from last year that was published right around this time of year by Eric Edholm, who I think works for Yahoo. He works for somewhere around there. Um but March 17th, last year, Eric Edholm's piece said, first it was Evan Neal, then Ekem McQuanwu got a little buzz, and then now the betting favorite to be the top overall pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars is Aiden Hutchinson, now a minus 350 favorite, and that was this time last year, and who ended up going number one overall? Not Agent not Aiden Hutchinson. Javon Walker, obviously. Pretty fascinating though to to kind of get that reminder, you know, when today Carolina gets the number one pick and then boom, CJ Stroud comes out of nowhere to become the betting favorite at minus two twenty.
2: Uh it's already up to minus four twenty-five now. <laughs> okay, don't get it now. You needed to get it like an hour ago. Now the interesting if you thing though it. is, uh, so that went to minus four twenty five. Bryce Young goes to th- plus three fifty. Anthony Richardson actually went down to plus forty fifty. So now he's gotten a little money on him as well. Like it's where was on. he before? He was at five plus five hundred, maybe plus six hundred. Okay. I think.
1: Okay, so, so a little bit of money on so Anthony.
2: Money on Stroud and Richardson. Looks like Bryce Young not going to be the number one pick. Stroud a big heavy favorite now. I,
1: I have a couple of thoughts. One, if you wanted Stroud, you needed to bet, bet him ninety minutes ago.
2: Yeah, you can't bet him now.
1: Two, hold your water. Don't rule out Bryce Young just yet.
3: Oh.
1: Yeah.
2: Or yeah. about Richardson.
1: Or Richardson. But... Stroud, I just don't understand Stroud. I don't understand it. I know Josh McCown apparently likes Stroud, but, dude, we're talking about the new quarterbacks coach in Carolina. Like, I mean, is Frank on board with it? Is Fitter on board with it? I mean, maybe it's less about having one guy that they want and just wanting to be in a position of power, right? Because now you can do whatever you want. Maybe you still got homework to do. Maybe you trade out of the first overall pick. Can you can you think about doing that? Is that crazy? Can, can
2: you drive Stroud's price up so high that someone else wants him? <laughs> you know what I mean? I
1: mean, anything's possible. Now is Indianapolis freaking out because they only like one guy, and they might not get him. And what are we going to do with our first-year head coach? By I the will way, say way, they, they hired another Eagles offensive coordinator to be their head coach. It was Frank Reich, and now it's Shane Steichen.
2: I, I do like the Panthers' style, though. Yeah. I, I'm all for them going for it. Especially when you bring in Frank Wright, you bring in the new head coach. Give him the quarterback he wants, right? Like, like you said, no matter who it is, whether it's, it's so C.J. Stroud that. or Bryce Young, <laughs> give him the quarterback he wants because I think that's going to make him the most successful, right? You look at Jacksonville, Doug Peterson. Like he didn't get, he didn't draft Trevor Lawrence, but like he went there because of Trevor Lawrence, no question. And, and that's the reason why he went there. I think with Frank Wright, same thing. You want to get him the young quarterback that he wants that him and Josh McCown are comfortable with. It just seems like it's C.J. Stroud, and I'm with you, Judah. It seems weird.
1: Well, you just said the key word, though, in all of that, which is young quarterback. Because <laughs> I just couldn't stop laughing when you said get Frank Reich the quarterback he wants, because that's exactly what Indianapolis has bent over backwards to do the last three years. Philip Rivers. Fine, Frank. Here's Philip. We'll get you Phillip. Where? Okay, fine, Frank. We'll get you Carson Wentz. We don't want to do it, but you want Carson. Here you go. Fine, Frank. We'll get you Matt Ryan for a first-round fail. Here you go. But it's different this time around. It's a young QB for Frank in a new spot. But I, I, Indianapolis, man, that's a, that's an interesting gig, man. Working for Jim Mersay has got to be a, a difficult uh, difficult task, but not for the faint of heart. That's why they pay him the pay you the big bucks if you're the GM there. And Chris Ballard, he's he's uh, he knows a thing or two because he's seen a thing or two. What is that, farmers? Bum, 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 bum. Something like that. I don't know why I've been thinking of slogans all week long. I've been I've been talking about slogans with my wife and sister-in-law. It's been a weird thing. Do you know the progressive slogan? I can't think of it off the top of my head. I, I, I know Farmers. I know State Farm. I know Geico. I know Allstate. I, I couldn't think of the progressive one. I just know flow. I, I just flow. think of flow, yeah. That's
2: it. I hot take dislike flow a lot.
1: It's not that hot.
2: I just don't like her. I think she's one of the most annoying characters.
1: What about Jamie? Secondary character they're working on. (laughs) Get them all out
2: of here. Get them all out.
1: Go to break. Come back. If you missed John Canzano's live appearance from Vegas in the 4 o'clock hour, we'll reset some of that sound. And uh, then what's your – no, we did what's your peeve already. What's on tap? Unless I think of another one. What's on tap? Thank you, sir. What's on tap? That will come up as we take you all the way up to 6 o'clock and play-by-play coverage from Westwood 1 of the Oregon Ducks and UCLA Bruins in the Pac-12 tournament semifinal. More Bald Face Truth, Judah Newby, in for John Canzano. Coming back in a moment on the BFT Radio Network.
0: You've got the home of the truth. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game.
1: Hope everyone's doing well going into the weekend, 5 o'clock hour, flying by, newbie for Catano on the Bald faced Truth, third day in a row for me, fourth day in the last uh, week or so, hosting, hosting the show. Steven's gotten tired of me, I know that, but I've not gotten tired of Steven. I, I could, uh, there's never enough Steven Vaughn to go around. Do you get that a lot? It's
2: not the first time I've heard that.
1: <laughs> oh, that terrible noise is coming from that studio again. I have no idea what that noise is.
2: It happens all the time.
1: Yeah, I have no idea what that noise at is. At least once an hour. I need to get on uh, the phone with an engineer about that. 503 uh, 417 We'll take you up to 6 o'clock. Play-by-play coverage from Westwood, one of the Oregon Ducks and UCLA Bruins, coming up at the top of the hour on 750 game 750thegame and 750 com. John Cazzano joined us in the 4 o'clock hour, live from Vegas but if you missed that conversation, uh, I've got I've got you covered. Here are some of the highlights from our talk with John, both about uh, the Ducks Bruins game tonight and uh, a couple of behind the scenes nuggets. But let's start with Oregon. John's talking about the motivation for Dana Altman and the Oregon Ducks against UCLA. I think
4: they're planned for a whole bunch. And and look, I saw it for about twelve minutes in the in the quarterfinal game against Washington State. It was about twelve minutes that made me really go, wow, like at the beginning of the game, look at this team, look at the length they have, look at the, the, the depth they have. There were some players who came off the bench even, uh, you know, a, a kid like Khalil Ware who came off the bench and and looked fantastic. I mean, he's seven feet tall with blocking shots. at a three. Um, you, you've got a lot of size, a lot of length. Um, you know, Will Richardson early in the game was distributing. He didn't really score. But for about 12 minutes, Judah, I was like, you know what? this is a really good team. They're dangerous. And if they are playing focused and they play like this, you know, they were on their way to blowing out Washington state, they can do it. But uh, you know, after that 12 minutes, they were very up and down, you know, for most of the game and lost the lead. Washington state had great shooting and got back in it. And and then the last five minutes of the game, Oregon did the same thing. It kind of tightened up and ran away and and held Washington state scoreless. So Um, You know, I I do think they're playing for a whole bunch. Uh, I'm counting on them showing up and being focused and being engaged and and playing well. And then you look over at UCLA, they're a little shorthanded, lost their best defensive player. Um, You know, on paper, I think everybody would still pick UCLA. I think the point spread is UCLA, like minus five to six. Uh, But there's just something about Dana Altman in a game where, you know, he needs to win to get to the tournament that, uh, I wouldn't feel comfortable betting against
1: him. Yeah, I couldn't say it better myself. <laughs> You're never comfortable betting against Dana Altman in gotta-have-it situations like this. And uh, we talked to Nafali Dante a little bit because he had the uh, the ankle injury at the end of the game yesterday. But apparently looks just fine, looks pretty good, and is g- going to give it a go. Should be close to 100% for the Ducks tonight. And uh, I did ask John at the end of our conversation, and we'll get to some other stuff in a moment, but... I asked him at the end of the conversation who he's picking tonight. Earlier in the week, he was picking the Ducks to upset UCLA and get to the Pac-12 title game. Is he sticking with it?
4: I'm picking Oregon, but come, let's be real. Anybody with half a brain is probably going to say UCLA is better. They're more talented. They're more experienced. There's just something about this tournament. Oregon's playing for you know UCLA's playing for seeding, right? Oregon's playing for life after you know after tonight, and so. If Oregon loses this game, uh, they're not going to make the NCAA tournament field. And so we're going to find out, can can we get the first 12 minutes of that Oregon-Washington State game where they opened up a 19-point lead on Washington State? Can we get that? Or are we going to get an Oregon team that is looking into the offseason and next year and the NBA draft itself? So I'll take Oregon just because they're playing for more against a UCLA team that already knows it's going to be a high seed in the tournament.
1: I'm going to pick UCLA, but I like Oregon to cover. I do think it'll be a close game tonight. I'll put it this way. I'll be surprised if UCLA wins comfortably. What do you think, Steven?
2: I agree with you. I, I don't see... Obviously, it could happen, but it doesn't seem like to me that this is a game where UCLA completely comes out and dominates. Right. Right? And you could say, well, Oregon had a tough game against Washington State. UCLA had a tough game against Colorado. That that wasn't a blowout by any means. Colorado was in that game. Both teams played a tough game in the quarters. And John's right. Like Oregon has something to play for. UCLA, I think, has something to play for as well. I think if UCLA wins the Pac-12 tournament, they're a one seed in the NCAA tournament. But when sometimes, you know, you cannot just judge – just you know how much you need to win this type of game, and Oregon is going to be on one to try to win to get the NCAA tournament. Because John's right, I think if they Oregon wins, they have a legitimate shot to be a bubble team uh, in that large bit in the NCAA tournament.
1: I watched uh, UCLA Colorado yesterday, and Jaime Jaquez kind of struggled for a lot of the game, then hit a huge three in the late uh, late parts of the game. You can never count him out. You know, Pac-12 Player of the Year. Uh, you're they're so seasoned. They're so poised late in games. It's really hard to kill them, you know. You can hang with them. It's really hard to kill those guys off. So uh, Oregon's up against it, but I think we got a close game in hand tonight. That's my guess. Uh, Also talk to John a little bit about the the behind-the-scenes stuff. What does he know from uh, the Pac-12 CEO group? Has he seen George around the arena? Uh, I know he's talking to people down there. Uh, I know he's got some things cooked up, but what's the latest on his front? on all that with meteorites negotiations with rumors and speculation and misinformation being spoon fed from the big 12 conference to people like Dennis Dodd and others. That is just not accurate. I mean, Mark Harlan, the Utah athletic director quote, tweeting Dennis Dodd's piece that the four corner schools are going to the big 12 or the big 12 is after the four corner schools. And he's like, give me a break. That's what the AD at Utah said of a story about him. (laughs) just goes to show you where, where stuff's coming from. Right. So here is Konzano on, on uh, what he is seeing behind the scenes.
4: You know, and I'm trying to get to people who are in that room who are having those conversations with George Klyovkov and talk to him himself. And he is at the arena. I did see him last night at the arena. walked past him. He did go to some suites and talk to some high level donors at, Washington State and Oregon during that game. So he is making rounds, but he's not doing any media talking. And I think that's been a mistake by the conference all along. And in that void, what we have seen crop up is a lot of misinformation. Uh, there's there's no question there's a propaganda machine that is behind the scenes that is firing out uh, story after story, leak after leak, that is negatively impacting the pac 12 brand. So I'm really after, you know, what is at the root of that. And I wrote it this morning. On the website at jonathanzano.com, I I got into the weeds on, you know, I'm trying to talk to Endeavor, the company that the Big 12 hired to help them with their media rights. And, uh, you know, Karen Brodkin, who is one of the two uh, heads of Endeavor, uh, it turns out she was a finalist for the Pac-12 commissioner job. She didn't get it. George Kloskov did. I would love to talk to her about that process. And, wow. you know, And also Endeavor tried to work for the Pac-12. They they wanted to do the pac 12s media rights. They didn't get them. So I'm trying to drill down on, you know, is, is Endeavor part of that misinformation machine that is firing behind the scenes? And for people who don't know Endeavor, Endeavor includes the William Morris Agency. It includes IMG. They own the UFC. If you watch Entourage – uh, the character Ari Gold is based uh, on Ari Emanuel, who is the head of Endeavor. Uh, so, you know, Lloyd, all that, you know, Jeremy, Jeremy <laughs> con, you know character in that show, yeah. uh, all that going on in the background. And so I've got questions for Endeavor. I also have questions for several of the crisis management firms that have been retained by both the Big Ten and the Big 12. And I'm kind of wondering what role <laughs> these firms are playing behind the scenes.
1: It's pretty fascinating. I saw the hashtag going around Twitter, uh, hashtag Big12Karen, and I was like, what does that mean? Big12Karen, what? And uh, apparently it's this gal, Karen Brodkin, who John wrote about at com today, so you can check it out there. But uh, she is, you know, one of the co-leads of Endeavor, who Brett Mark brought on to help uh, PR and stuff, and, um, you know. They, in all likelihood, uh, are supplying a lot of this, you know, anti-Pac-12 propaganda. Feels like an election cycle. And we're talking about college sports. Um, I do think that's interesting. And I think the most operative thing in there that's interesting is the fact that Karen Broadkin was a finalist for the Pac-12 commissioner job before they hired George. It's all starting to come together a little bit, Stephen. A little axe to grind now from Big 12 Carrot.
2: Yes, he's a little personal, right? A little personal there. I, I, you know, and we've talked about this before. It's just like it's hard to not believe all the stuff you're reading because all the national articles are Pac-12 falling apart. Big 12 going to go and recruit the Pac-12 schools. That's all you ever read. You never read anything positive about the Pac-12. But then you come in and listen to this show – and John's like, you know, calm down. Like the Pac-12 is fine. They they're doing things behind the scenes, and that would all kind of make sense, right? Like like you said, you can see how Brett Yormark is talking to these people, who are talking to these people, who are talking to these people, and putting out all the propaganda, right? And so now I'm starting to believe. I'm starting to believe again, Judah. I'm starting to believe in the Pac-12. And you know what? If they uh, pull the rug from under me, that's on me. That's on me again.
1: Lucy and Charlie Brown.
2: Yeah, they can pull the football away, literally, onto Ion.
1: Exactly. That's actually too close to home. They're going to stream on Twitch. (laughs) Ion. Oh, bro. Brett Yormark. Balls on him to say the Pac-12 is going to Ion. Uh, That's great. Uh, Last thing from John is he did reiterate, what is the Pac-12 CEO group's stance?
4: You know, I want answers even if they're ugly answers. But right now, in the inner sanctum of the Pac-12, the presidents and chancellors maintain that they had a productive meeting on Tuesday, they will hold another meeting in two weeks. They're, they made they, the quote I got directly from that room was that they quote-unquote good progress on the media rights deal. Uh, they appear to be moving towards a, a deal and some resolution here, which is great for everybody. And I'm still anticipating that the media rights deal is going to come in with ESPN as the tier one partner, meaning that you know you'll see games, football games on ESPN, linear provider, and that that the Tier 2 part of the package, which is really the Pac-12 network's uh, content, uh, would end up with Amazon and or Apple. So it's possible that the Pac-12 could have ESPN. I think they covet that distribution and the glow of all that shoulder programming, and then add on top of that maybe a Friday night game on Amazon, and then all of the normal Pac-12 network's football and basketball and Olympic sports content very likely with either Amazon or Apple. But keep an eye on that. From the inner sanctum, they don't appear worried. They're not buying into the rumors. They're not, you know, the four corner schools aren't going anywhere. That you know, if you believe the Pac-12 and the presidents and chancellors, uh, you know, they're they're baffled by what is happening publicly with all the misinformation and propaganda.
1: Th- them's the stakes. That's the world we're living in now with the uh, misinformation and propaganda. Uh, I'm inclined to believe the the Pac-12 leaders, but I'm with you too, Stephen. It's like, am I just Charlie Brown lining up for this football here? We shall see. Final segment coming up on the other side. We'll get you what's on tap and uh, lay it out for you. The sporting events going on and where you can find them uh, this weekend, including what we got your way in about 10 minutes at 6 o'clock, Westwood Ones, play-by-play coverage of the Oregon Ducks and the UCLA Bruins in the Pac-12 tournament semifinal that you can hear right here on 750 The Game and 750TheGame.com, the flagship of the Bald-Faced Truth Radio Network.
0: Back to the Bald-Faced Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game.
1: All right, thanks to John Cassano joining us live from Vegas in Hour 2. If you miss any part of the show, you can find it on the podcast On Demand, 750thegame.com, subscribe, rate, review, on the BFT Podcast, on the Bald Face Truth uh, Podcast Network as well, wherever you get your on-demand audio. A lot going on in the world of sports. It's March after all. Let's uh, grip it and rip it with what's on tap.
0: Now. It's time for What's on Tap and What's on TV at The Independent on the BFT. In five minutes, five
1: minutes, five minutes to Sports Center, five minutes away from Oregon Ducks, UCLA Bruins Pac-12 tournament semifinals. You can hear it on the BFT Radio Network flagship right here in Portland on 750 The Game and streaming for free at 750TheGame.com. If you have the Pac-12 network, you can also see it. If you have the Pac-12 Network, it uh, <laughs> seems impossible. Seems impossible, Who but has it? You know what? I have Ion TV, and I don't have the Pac-12 Network. So maybe, I, maybe I want I want the rights to go to Ion TV. We have it in we have it
2: in the studio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have do. to hang out here.
1: Just gonna have to hang out with you uh, all night long. Sorry, family. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. Uh, UCLA and Oregon at six o'clock. Bobby Hurley against Tommy Lloyd at eight thirty. That one is on ESPN. So ESPN gets uh, the late one tonight. And then, of course, the Pac-12 tournament championship game tomorrow is, uh, you know, is it on Fox? Wasn't it on Fox last year? It was on Fox last year. I remember because it was weird. It was like Pac-12 Network and ESPN had all the tournament. And then Joe Davis was calling the championship game on Fox. I was like, what is this? Um, It's not listed currently on uh, on the website, but... I'm pretty sure that uh, the game is, maybe it's on ESPN. I'll let Steven look it up, and then he can let me know where it is. Uh, Elsewhere, let's see, the Trailblazers in action right now, trying to uh, get get it done in Philly. Of course, they play their basketball over on Root Sports, and uh, their road trip after Philly tonight will continue on Sunday, I believe, at uh, the uh, New Orleans Pelicans. Or will that be Monday? I can't. I can't remember when the when the Trailblazers are playing. When is their next game after this one?
2: Ah, uh, so Pac-12 Championship. One thing at a time here, Judah. Come on. Sorry. Uh, one thing at a time here. Yeah. Ah, uh, Pac-12 Championship is on ESPN. Okay. Good. It'll be Dave Pash and Bill Walton. Trailblazers. They play on Sunday. Sunday against the Pelicans and CJ McCollum down in New Orleans.
1: Thank you. All right. Root Sports for that one. Uh, Players Championship uh, going on. You can watch it on ESPN, and uh, I believe NBC has it. So make sure you check that out if you are a golf fan. Love it. The 17th hole is a great one, right? It's a great uh, uh, tournament. That's not a major, but uh, feel free to check that one out along the way. Oh, Portland Timbers. Come on now. Match Day 3. That's tomorrow night, Saturday night, 7.30 at Providence Park. You can hear that one on 750 The Game. You can watch it. For free on Apple TV. That rhymes. It won't always be for free on Apple TV because a lot of uh, the games, the majority perhaps, will be behind uh, the subscription service of MLS Season Pass. However, Major League Soccer is providing a handful of games each week for free on Apple TV. So if you have an iPhone and you got the Apple TV app, that's all you need. You don't even need a subscription. Just boom, watch the game. It's and it's a great experience. The picture quality is sublime. Uh Dolby 5.1 surround sound with it too. Apple is really nice and frankly, I wouldn't be mad if Apple uh took a little Pac-12 media media rights deal. Maybe not all of it, but a little Pac-12 on Apple is is a great idea.
2: Did you uh did you mention Selection Sunday? Selection Sunday is Sunday.
1: 3 (laughs) p.m. 3 p.m. on CBS for the men's selection show. 5 p.m. on ESPN for the women's selection show. And Oregon is on the bubble in the women's bracket. Of course, University of Portland is in. We had Michael Meek on the show a couple days ago uh, after their automatic qualifiers. So great on them. That's coming up this weekend as well. Uh, So a lot of good stuff to choose from. And, of course, check out your live sports at the Independent Sports Bar and Grill. Steven, a lot of fun, dude.
2: A lot of fun, Judah. You got UCLA? Yeah, UCLA to win, but give me the Ducks to cover.
1: I'm with you. I like the Ducks to cover, UCLA to win in a close one. Kizano's picking Oregon to win. Thanks for being along for the ride. Kizano back in the chair Monday, live from Spirit Mountain Casino in the Bet MGM Sportsbook. Be here for that show. Madness is here. Tournament's here. Going to have a lot of fun with it. I'm Judah Newby, in for John Kizano, and this has been the Bald Face Truth. The Ducks Bruins up next.